0: Welcome to the Pigskin Podcast, a weekly podcast about all things football, and
1: only football.
0: Every week, we'll go in-depth about each team and deliver the best hard-hitting topics. Now, here's your host, Andrew Walker. What's going on, everyone? Thank you for joining us again for week 11 on the Pigskin Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, alongside Dan. We appreciate you guys. (laughs) We appreciate you guys joining in on the podcast. We got a really exciting episode today, something that we've never done before. That's an opportunity for you guys to hear about somebody else other than us two, about what's going on around the league. Got a couple different segments as well. We're going to talk about coaching hot seats. There's going to be three different categories that we talk about. Who are the coaches that are safe? Maybe some that are concerning, kind of on the edge of the hot seat, and then some coaches that we believe are going to be fired. Alongside that, we're also going to talk about our power rankings. It's that week where we update you on our power rankings. There's going to be some surprises, but there are going to be some that, eh, maybe not so surprising. And maybe some surprises that aren't even in regard to Dano and I, as far as our power rankings. But let's get into the episode I want to start out by saying, though, Daniel, who was 12-2 and last week on their picks? This guy. (laughs) Who was the one that picked the Patriots to beat the Ravens on Sunday Night Football? Okay. Okay. Hold on a second. I think that if we knew that that game was going to be played in a monsoon, I think we would have looked at that game differently. And I think I know what caused that monsoon. It was Bill Belichick. He did that because it got very bad. The last minute of that game, you couldn't even watch the game on TV because it was coming down so hard. So Bill Belichick and all of the powers that be in New England, he caused that monsoon and sealed (laughs) the victory for Cam Newton and the New England Patriots. So I still think that Baltimore is the better team. You need to apologize to Bill Belichick for, I told you last week, they perform well under the lights. Yes, they barely squeaked out against the Jets, but they played some great football, top to bottom. They were able to limit Lamar Jackson. I can understand you can call Bill Belichick a wizard for causing a swirl and a rumble in the last four minutes of the game. They ended up winning that game. I said they were going to another game I'm proud of. I'll get you the one that I'm not so proud of, but I'm going to give you one I'm proud of, the Rams and the Seahawks. I said the Rams are going to win this game. You even went against your own logic Yes, that we're going to talk about later. The game that I'm not so proud of, the Carolina Panthers. And I got that one right. Thank I you. forget the Carolina Panthers. You guys are 0-2 when I pick you guys. Get this. Now, the two games that I got wrong, there were only three teams that won on the road this week. Two of them I got wrong. Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> that game was not even close despite that was the score. Embarrassing. That was, I'm sorry, Tennessee fans. Carolina Panthers lost a, a pretty big game to Tampa Bay at home. Which I said that Tom Brady would be playing pissed because they lost thirty eight to three against a division. Yeah, but rival. the first half they played really well, and he was not going to allow that to happen again. Tom Brady has never lost three divisional games in his career. Never lost three. It's correct. So the different division, though, this is a different division. Dude, you, you talk about history it's sometimes. It's a mentality. No, no. I said the history with New England. You can't look at New England's history because Tom Brady is no longer there. I'm talking about Tom Brady. But Tom as Brady's a quarterback. not. But he's not New England anymore. You can't you can't apply that same logic to but New England, still, but not to Tom I'm Brady. I'm not applying it to. No, no, that's. that's yes, because you just said he's never lost three divisional games because that doesn't matter where he's playing. He could be playing for New England or he'd be playing for, God forbid, the New York Jets, Jets, Jets. But he, as a quarterback, has never lost three divisional games. And I said he was going to be playing pissed. And thank you because he scored me over 50 points in my fantasy. That's another win for me as well. The thing is, Carolina played extremely well in the first half. Given the circumstances, you still don't have Christian McCaffrey. Teddy Bridgewater was not his normal Teddy even though they burned their time out, Stan will get to that. But hey, I'm proud of myself though. I went 12 and 2 on picks. The other two, I mean, I think the Colts, I think most people would have would have picked the Titans in the game, and most people would have get, you know, picked the Buccaneers. I thought it was going to be a trap game. Obviously, the only trap was me. Now, that game was like I said, the first half it was close. Second half, Tom Brady was like, "All right, I'm done playing this this little <laughs> You know I'm going to keep you in it and kind of I'm you know, not hurt this, your feelings. Schoolyard football. Yeah. We're going to play some real NFL. So, I mean, it doesn't help that Carolina let a 98 yard rushing touchdown. Yeah, uh, but Derrick Henry still has 99 yards. So, well, and Derrick Henry has a 98 as well. Yeah, he's the last one to do it, other than Rojo who did it this past Sunday. So we're going to get it again. Ro- who? Rojo? Rojo? Ronald Jones? Oh please! That's his name. That's his nickname. I have I didn't never make heard that up. anyone say Rojo. Well, you're not cultured. I promise I didn't make that up. Hey, Rojo. <laughs> so we're gonna Also, again, talk about our power rankings. Give you all 32. We're not going to go in depth like we did last episode. That was over two hours long. We can make it three if we want to. But for the sake of my sanity, not going to be that long. <laughs> and editing. Yes. So we're going to talk about that. Give our game predictions like we do every week. So let's start out by our coaching hot seat predictions. Now, I want to preface with everyone listening. These are not coaches that we pretty much are guaranteed they're going to be safe. Talking about the Andy Reid's, Pete Carrolls, Bill Belichick, obviously, Bruce Arians, Sean Payton. You get the gist of the list. The first category that we're going to talk about, I'm going to transition into a new topic that I'm not going to talk about you guys yet because I want it to be a little uh, little, little surprise, surprise. You guys are doing a great job of setting the edge, okay? We got to push more inside. We're running too flat. It's stretching and cutting back. You guys keep setting the edge. The edge is good. Now, the audio right there was Bill Belichick, one of the greatest head coaches of all time. That'll be our segment on coaches that are on the hot seat. The reason why I want to play that clip there, if you notice and watch Bill Belichick, He does a lot of coaching on the sideline. He gets in his players' faces. He makes adjustments. The audio was actually from NFL Films. But I wanted to pick that audio because this segment is solely on coaches, and we believe that there are a lot of coaches, actually probably half in the league, that might be in a position where at the end of the year, if not next year, they'll be on their way out. So I got a couple coaches on my list that I believe are going to be safe. The number one, Doug Peterson. That might be a surprise to some people. I get it. Philadelphia Eagles are terrible. They shouldn't even be a football team. They should be called the Philadelphia football team. They don't even deserve to have a mascot. (laughs) Doug Peterson, the reason why he's going to stay safe, given the record, he's won them a Super Bowl, I think it's given them a little cushion, a little buffer, so to speak, that's going to keep them in Philadelphia longer. So Doug Peterson, I got him safe. Second coach, Zach Taylor, Cincinnati Bengals. First of all, this is only his second season. I think the first season they understood, hey, we're, we're building as a culture, as an organization, gave them an opportunity to draft Joe Burrow. It looks like he's training in the right direction. And getting T. Higgins as well in the draft was mm-hmm. an absolute steal. You have a really good young receiving core. Your offensive line, you need to get some people to fill some holes. It is some of the worst in the league. Look, Cincinnati understands Rome was not built in a day. And I'm not comparing the two because I think Rome is beautiful. But they're they're not gonna fire Zach Taylor. I think he's gonna be safe. Well, I, I also give him the benefit of the doubt. This is only his second season. Yeah. As a head coach. He's his first season with Joe Burrow under center. So let's let's give him some time there. I also think I mean Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland, I think he's safe as well. Or well, we're looking at newer head coaches. Same with Mike McCarthy in Dallas. I don't think he's going anywhere got to give him some time to adjust as well. In addition to newer head coaches, obviously Matt Rule, he's there for the long haul. He's been successful so far with the Panthers and his coaching style. Brian Flores, I said weeks ago in the podcast, weeks ago when Fitz Magic was still the quarterback for the Dolphins, that Brian Flores would be coach of the year, and I still stand by that as well. But those, in addition to Bill Belichick, you know, Pete Carroll, Mike Tomlin, Matt LaFleur, those are gimmies. But, yeah, I mean, I, I you kind of touched about Matt Rule. I think he's safe as well. I understand it's his first season. Most first season head coaches don't get fired. They invested so much into acquiring him. They paid off his contract at Baylor. You allowed Matt Rule to basically hire anyone that he wanted to. He brought in his best friend, Joe Brady. So I think he's safe as well. I think Joe Judge in New York with the Giants, that hasn't gone well so far. But that was a hire where they wanted him to change the culture. I don't think most special team coaches get hired because of their ability to coach special teams. I think it's because of what they are wanting to implement that they bought into. Another one, Kyle Shanahan. They're not winning a lot right now, but they have a ton of injuries right now. Kyle Shanahan is one hundred percent safe. And another one that might be eh, kind of so to speak, Ron Rivera. He's kinda of in the same boat, no pun intended, with Joe Judge, where they bring him in there to change the culture now. Now well, the thing is with Ron Rivera is he's actually been there and done that. He hasn't won the Super Bowl yet. They went and they, they took him in Super Bowl fifty with the Carolina Panthers. But I believe he's safe. To go into the second tier here. We're looking at concerned situations or those who we see on the hot seat. So my first head coach who I'm concerned with is Anthony Lynn. Well, and, and let's, all, let's all assume that any coaches from this list going forward, if they're not said, we can assume that they're safe. The, the safe correct. category that we put coaches in are ones that are their records might not be the best or they really haven't had much to prove, but they're still not doing well but I don't think that we have any situations this year where a coach is one and done like Steve Wilkes was in Arizona. Yeah, that was unfortunate. So, uh, we can both agree that we're not going to have any of these newer head coaches have to deal with that situation. Yeah. But for me moving into the next tier with concerned situations or those we believe to be on the hot seat, I have Anthony Lynn as one of them with the LA chargers since leaving Buffalo. He has a 28 win and 29 loss record. That's not even 500, obviously. His best season was in 2018 when when the Chargers went 12-4. and four. At this rate, I don't see him finishing out this the season. I don't see that the Chargers pushing for a playoff spot. Justin Herbert, we've seen flashes of greatness. But overall, this team, I don't see that the Chargers are going to be more successful than they are now. Now, they do have injuries that they keep dealing with, like Derwin James, Never seems to be healthy. But I think Anthony Lynn is a concerning position. I don't I don't think he's going to be fired. But let's look at what happens at the end of next season and what their record looks like. I think that Anthony Lynn could be on his way out the door. For my concerning slash hot seat, Mike McCarthy has to start it off. The reason why, because I believe Jerry Jones wants to win so bad right now, especially with the talent that he has offensively, that he's willing to make a bogus move and say, you know what, Mike McCarthy, I'm done with you. I want to find somebody else, maybe someone a little younger. I don't agree with that. I think Mike McCarthy should still be there. That's why I have him in the concerning slash hot seat section. I don't think he's going to be fired, but I would not be surprised if Jerry Jones cuts the cord early and says, you know what, this little project or experiment hasn't bode well for me. And see, I would disagree with that, because look how many years we spoke about Jason Garrett. It seemed like in the past three years of his coaching that we looked at Jason Garrett and thought, okay, when is he finally going to cut the court? I think there's a lot of pride. It's a little different though. Jason Garrett played for him though. Yeah. He has a different relationship. Yeah. But I think that Jerry Jones is a prideful man and I don't see him easily cutting bait you know, taking his lumps, if you will, and getting rid of Mike McCarthy after maybe a second season. My second I only have two that I'm concerned about with asterisks for three other ones. But the the second one is in a similar situation with Anthony Lynn, and that is Vic Fangio, who is the defensive coordinator for Chicago prior. Did amazing. Denver brought him over. I think that with Denver, the situation's a little bigger than just Vic Fangio. Most of it is their quarterback situation. I've talked about in weeks past with John Elway finding QB talent in Denver. It hasn't worked well, which is ironic because he's a Hall of Fame Super Bowl winning quarterback. But Vic Fangio, his leash is short. I think that he will remain the head coach at the end of this season. But next season, he's in a similar situation with Anthony Lynn. If they do not have winning records next year, I think that Fangio and Lynn could be out the door when it comes to the AFC West. Now, one hug coach, I understand that they just won Monday night. One head coach, depending how the season progresses, is Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer has had a lot of time and opportunity to win in Minnesota. If they don't win here, you're going to give them another shot and opportunity. Now, I believe that Minnesota is going to turn things around. I said that prior to this past win, they are one of the best losing record teams in the NFL. Mike Zimmer, is time I think is coming up because you can't keep prolonging this and hoping and dreaming because who knows what Kirk Cousins is going to do. Is he going to reassign after his contract is up? Is he going to go elsewhere? You're never guaranteed anything, especially in the draft. I think Mike Zimmer is concerning, maybe not even on the hot seat yet. Again, they just won. He's had a lot of time there, though. And I would agree with you, Andrew. Of the three head coaches that have asterisks beside Mike Zimmer was one of them because I have to look at what they're going to be at the end of the season, what Minnesota's record is going to look like. But Mike Zimmer has had a lot of time to get it right in Minnesota. And it hasn't bode well for them. I mean, they went to the playoffs what two or three years ago when they had that Minneapolis miracle against the Saints. Don't remind Saints fans. Yeah, but I since then, they've trucked along. I think their biggest problem has been Kirk Cousins. But as a head coach. yeah. But as a head coach, I think that Mike Zimmer, the clock is starting to tick down. The next two head coaches in the same category, they're both interim head coaches, Raheem Morris and Romeo Cornell. Now, Romeo Cornell, for whatever reason, Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport said that the Texans are wanting to possibly make him the head coach going forward. (laughs) I'm thinking if I'm a fan of the Texans, I'm a little upset. But if I'm a Jaguars or Colts or Titans fan... You're upset for two reasons this past weekend. You hear the news that Romeo Cornell might be your head coach going forward. That's enough to pull whatever hair I have. The next one is seeing DeAndre Hopkins make one of the greatest catches ever. Period. And you traded him away for a bag of empty Lay's chips. (laughs) The thing is, I said this weeks ago, Bill O'Brien. Burned that place to the ground and laughed his way out the door. What I'm I, if I'm Texans fans, I am livid right now. I think he should be fired. I don't think he, they should retain him. He's had his opportunity. He's older. His coaching style is kind of fading off. Yeah. Their run defense is terrible. Yeah. We've, we've, we've talked about this a couple weeks ago with Romeo Cornell, even when he was a head coach, he wasn't good. Yeah. He's. And I don't think so. I think Raheem Morris. Now they are on a trend. They have played different football. They play better football. Unlike Romeo Cornell, I think Raheem Morris, he might retain. I think he might get promoted to that head coaching job at the end of the season. He already knows the organization well. The players like him. They like playing for him. He's younger mentality, defensive-minded coach, even though it doesn't seem like it on the stat sheet. But I think sometimes it's more about what the culture can be rather than, hey, let's let's make our defense a little better here and there. With the Titans, when they had Ken Hunt, they let him go. They replaced him with Mike malarkey who brought them to a nine and 17 raheem morris could be that bridge because mike malarkey was the bridge to mike vrabel and tennessee has built on that success so raheem morris could be that bridge head coach here's one head coach that you're just waiting for father time to come and get him i think on the hot seat matt patricia I understand they just beat... My my buddy, Matt Patricia. Uh, Yep. I understand they just beat Washington. Barely. 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 I'm legally blind. (laughs) Barely beat them. Now, a win's a win. Alex Smith played really well, though. So it's hard to... It was like almost 400 passing yards. Yeah, he had a really clean game. Matt Patricia, though, I think he's safe right now. I think he's on the hot seat. His tushy's a little warm. But as long as coaches win games... It's hard to say, you know what, let's fire him. Now, it happened with Mike Malarkey in Tennessee as you spoke. You won your first game in the playoffs against the Kansas City Chiefs with Marcus Mariota, and then you fire him and get Mike Vrabel, who's never had a head coaching job before. It was interesting. Aside from that, though, I think Matt Patricia is on the hot seat, but he's not going to be fired. My second asterisk, in addition to Mike Zimmer, is Sean McDermott. And I say Sean, you're 7-3, and Yes, with with a miraculous catch from being away from eight and two, that hasn't that factored none into my, Why? my don't decision. We, don't we don't we factor coaches in on wins and losses in production? Yes, but they're winning. They they are. However, a win now does not decide by the end of the season what a head coach is or is not. What I'm saying, the reason why I have an asterisk against his name, which means that he's teetering between safe and concerning, is taking them into the playoffs. Because last year they got obliterated by the Texans. The year before, they didn't make the playoffs. And the year before that... If Sean Sean Payton can keep his job with how much the Saints have gone in the playoffs lately and retain his job, Sean McDermott should as well. Now, I think this situation is different because they've won a Super Bowl with Sean Payton in New Orleans. But Sean McDermott, his first season that they made into the playoffs, they were playing the Jaguars, which the Bills fans have much to thank with Andy Dalton. You look at them making the playoffs against Jacksonville the year after they didn't make the playoffs, and then last year they get obliterated by the Texans. I'm not saying he is going to be fired or that that seed is warm. I'm saying I'm concerned that Sean McDermott, it depends on what it looks like for the playoffs. Because if they are a one and done in the playoffs and get blown up like they did last year, I could see Sean McDermott next year being one of those who should fear for their job. Well, I guess uh, some of you, including myself, would assume that Sean McDermott was going to be safe. But I guess not. Now, my other asterisk in addition to Mike Zimmer and Sean McDermott is John Harbaugh. And that is a similar situation with Sean McDermott is just my eyes could go further back in my head. They'd be looking at my butt. (laughs) John Harbaugh. I'm concerned about because yes, they've seen regular season success, but last year they lost in the divisional round against the Titans, which no one gave a chance to, they lost in the wildcard round before in 2018. They haven't made the conference championships since 2012, and when that, that's when they won the Super Bowl. This is a similar situation with Sean McDermott is, first off, making the playoffs and how far you can go into the playoffs. How many more chances does a head coach need before they decide to move on? Because if you if your team is being successful, if you have an, a successful roster— I think that any head coach could come in, not any, but most head coaches or most coordinators could come in and bring success with their coaching style. Similar situation the Packers had when they brought in Matt LaFleur. They had the roster there. They brought in an, a, a head coach, and now they made the conference championship last year. I think they're easily going to win their division this year. The Ravens have a successful roster, I think that it is easier to let go of John Harbaugh than you and anyone else would think. I think personally it speaks more is about Lamar Jackson than John Harbaugh. Lamar has never showed up in the playoffs. I understand it's a very small sample size. Yeah, two years, but I don't trust him going in the playoffs right now. I want him to prove me wrong though. Coaches that are going to be fired by the end of the 2020 season, or honestly, even coaches that might be fired mid season. We've already had a couple who are your coaches right now that are going to be fired? The first one is very easy. We both know that Adam Gase yes. has already bought his plane ticket to wherever he's from. I think that Doug Marone in Jacksonville, he's going to be gone. Yeah. I also think that Robert, <laughs> when I saw on the wire that Romeo Cornell could maintain his position as head coach and they take the interim off, <laughs> I just laughed. I'm thinking, God, the AFC South, all those other teams are just asking for it. Raheem Morris? I could see him obviously getting an interview for the head coach. I'm not sold on that just yet. I think they got a lot of work to do on the defense. But you're going to put him in the fired category? No. Well, I mean, the position was fired. That's why I put it in this category, because they fired their head coach. Matt Patricia, my good friend, Matty Patty, I think he is going to be gone at the end of this season. We talked about this, I think, last week or probably the week before with Bill Belichick. He's in a similar situation, or he's in a different situation than Andy Reid. Andy Reid's had has had a successful coaching tree. Bill Belichick has not. He doesn't but, care about the but coaching I know, tree. I know, and I know that Bill Belichick doesn't think about that stuff. Anyone he, he you, knows know what, him? you know what I'll tell people that? Kiss my six Super Bowl rings. I don't give a crap. <laughs> I mean, so... Matt Patricia, I put in that category ahead, has not worked out well. The one who's actually had the most success, ironically, was a player, not one of his former coaches. So I see for those who have been fired or will be fired, uh, Atlanta and Houston, they already let go of their head coaches. But Matt Patricia, Doug Marone, and Adam Gase. And there's one more. Yeah, there's one more. Well, I'll save it for the end because it's going to transition to our new segment. I think Anthony Lynn's going to be fired. I think after this season, I think LA is going to move on from him because I understand Justin Herbert has a skill set that can possibly take him to the promised land one day. I think that's, he's going to win. Don't you think that's a little premature? The promised land, and he's in his rookie season. So who cares? I don't care if he's in a rookie season. He has shown promise, and he is he's on the verge of breaking rookie records. I don't like judging a, a quarterback until they're probably in their let third. Let me year. let me let me finish. Justin Herbert is too good, and I don't think Anthony Lynn is the coach for Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Now, what is crazy beyond me is the fact that every game the Chargers have lost this year it has been a touchdown or less. Mm-hmm. They've never been blown out this year, and they have had a pretty difficult schedule. And that doesn't bode well for a head coach. That's when what I'm you saying. Can't win those close games. If you cannot win close games, I don't think that they're going to keep him around. He's had his opportunity. I understand his first year with Justin Herbert, but I think father time for him is catching up in the fact that he's never been able to win close games in, in Los Angeles, Vic Fangio, who spoke of, you think he's going to maybe be safe on the hot seat or whatever. I think, I think by the end of next season, he and Anthony Lynn will be gone if they don't turn it around. I think both of them this season, I think Vic Fangio was kind of a, well, we need to kind of, yeah, yeah, I think we need to fill a hole real quick. We don't really have time to interview head coaches. He kind of already knows the culture a little bit. Because he was a head coach once before. Yeah, and I don't think he's a good fit in Denver. I think his coaching style is kind of capped out. Adam Gates, who we talked about, Doug Marone, I agree with you. I think he's actually going to be fired after this week's game. (laughs) Honestly. Against Pittsburgh. I think after this week, Doug Marone is going to get fired. Bye-bye. This is going to transition to our new segment that I spoke about in the beginning of the podcast. We have John on the podcast. He's a Bears fan, avid Bears fan, but he's someone that has supported the podcast from the very beginning. And we told you guys, if you want to be on the podcast, let us know. He even told me before I even shouted out, he's like, hey, man, I want to be on your podcast. Absolutely. So today is the first week that we're going to have someone call in. Currently a Bears fan, grew up in Chicago, living in Arizona now. At least you have beautiful weather out there. Your team, Your team might not be. we're going to have them on the show. That's a big change from cold, windy, and snowy to hot and dry. I was trying to make a joke, and I was trying to think of something, but I couldn't think of anything. But speaking of fans, we appreciate anyone who wants to reach out to be on the podcast, and you can check out the social media at skin on Instagram and Twitter. We'd love for you guys to reach out. At the end of the day, you're probably going to know more about your specific team than us, and that's okay. We try our best to be as knowledgeable as we can but let us know on social media like Daniel spoke of. Let's transition to our last collective pick of who we believe will be fired. Matt we, Nagy. Yeah, That's the whole reason why we wanted Jonathan to be on here. Because one, we believe Matt Nagy is going to be gone after the end of the season. They end up losing Monday night against the Minnesota Vikings. Did a great job at containing Dalvin Cook, which mm-hmm. is opposite what I said. Now, I, I did say Vikings would win. But we want to speak specifically to a Bears fan, hear his opinions, and have him on the podcast. So we're going to give him a call. All right, everybody. So this is um, it's going to be John that's joining us on the podcast. Just want to shout out John for for supporting the podcast from the very beginning. He's been someone who's been with us. So again, John, we appreciate you and, and just willing to um, wanting to even be on the podcast. We appreciate it.
1: Of course. No, I, I appreciate every, everything you guys have uh, done so far. Every podcast has been great.
0: I appreciate it. Now, John, just we know that you're a Bears fan. You were you were yes. born and raised in Chicago. And my question mm-hmm. to you is just to start it off, what is your first memory of being a Bears fan or what is that quintessential play or player that resonates in your mind of this is Chicago Bears?
1: Sure. Um no, I mean ever since uh, I was little, uh, my family they've always been hardcore Chicago fans. Uh, we all grew up on um, the south side of Chicago. So White Sox, Bulls, Bears, and, um, you know, just watching my family watch the games every every week. And, uh, you know, I don't particularly remember any uh, any plays or anything like that from when I was little. But the um, biggest thing that always stood out to me was uh, Brian Urlacher. He was a, a big one when I was growing oh, yeah.
0: up. loved him. Uh, Love Lance
1: him. Briggs. Um Charles Tillman, Tillman especially Peanut, and Mm -hmm. um, of course Walter Payton um, has always been a big
0: one. Yeah, I think with, uh, you know, my sister in law, she actually lives in Chicago, and just the city itself. There's so much history. I think Soldier Field is is one of my most favorite stadiums in all of sports. the uh, The aesthetic appeal of it, and and the fact that it's kind of right there on the on the lake. It's it's a beautiful place, and you know, anybody out there who's never been or experienced Soldier Field, I 100% would have it. There's just so much history that goes along there.
1: Unfortunately, I've only been to the stadium once, but uh, I definitely hung out around it a few times.
0: The segment that we wanted to kind of bring you in, so we just spoke about head coaches. And one of the things, the reason why we wanted to include you, one, because you support their podcast, which we appreciate, but with being yeah. a Bears fan, I'm just going to ask you a couple questions. You let me know your opinions on them. Do you think Matt Nagy will remain as the Bears head coach, given, again, the fourth straight loss that Chicago has been handed?
1: Uh, You know, I definitely did a lot of research. Um, You know, I think the Bears organization shouldn't stand for anything less than, you know, uh, either another playoff run or possibly a a conference final, which is really hard to believe uh, that we'll be able to get there um, with the upcoming schedule. Uh, I mean, There's a possibility we can win a few more games, but uh, maybe get a wild card. But I honestly don't think they're going to keep them much longer if we're we're not able to make it into the playoff run.
0: I think last night was kind of maybe, I don't know if the Bears are going to pull the trigger yet, but for me, if I'm a Bears fan, I'm a little frustrated because you bring in Matt Nagy, who has this offensive mind guru from an Andy Reid legacy or line that he's come from, and so far, it's been anything but stagnant. I mean, it's just been been very mediocre. And so at what point, Daniel, you can maybe answer this, or your opinion, at what point is, is enough? I remember when Chicago was pursuing Nagy, like there was a lot of excitement surrounding him because he was coming from the Andy Reid coaching tree. This offensive guru supposed to come in and bring this team to the next level. And I think... Since his time in Chicago, the thing that has solidified his time is almost making it to the next round in the playoffs. Unfortunately, the double doink with Cody Parkey was a big upset for the Bears. And, John, do you think that as a – I mean, what was your thought running through your mind when you saw that double doink that ended up allowing the Eagles to advance and ending – and uh, actually winning the Super Bowl that year. Yeah,
1: yeah no, I I remember that play uh, almost every <laughs> single day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I, I think that's that's one of the biggest things that holds back a lot of Bears fans from putting faith into Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that we definitely need to move past. <clears throat> you know, give give Foles or whoever's going to step up to the plate that chance. And you know, I've been putting a lot of faith into Foles as. Uh, as underperformed as he's been, mm-hmm. um, I'm still going in with a positive attitude every Sunday, Monday night.
0: Yeah, I think anybody around the league would agree that Nick Foles is one of the best human beings in the locker room. Unfortunately, just because you're a good person doesn't mean you're going to be a good football player. And you know the things that the journey that Nick Foles is going to be remembered for is the fact that Carson Wentz gets hurt in Philly. Nick Foles takes him to a Super Bowl and wins a Super Bowl. And I think people believe that he can do that again, but that wasn't sustainable. That was only a part of the season. I mean, Jacksonville thought they could, you know, catch that lightning in a bottle. It didn't work out in Jacksonville. I think Chicago was kind of hoping the same thing. And then I was talking to Andrew last night as we were watching the game. I'm like, how on earth is Nick Foles the starter for this team? I mean, offensively, they couldn't get anything together. (laughs) If it was not for that defense as – as John, you've listened to us on the podcast, and I've talked about how Nick Foles is an imposter, and it kind of solidified last night. It, it has to be so frustrating as a fan knowing that you guys have had five wins, and it's because of your defense.
1: No, definitely. And, and you know, I, I really hope that they would have uh, left Trubisky in until, you know, we, we went to 500.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, I think that would have been a great time for uh, Nick Foles to come
0: in. Yeah, it's kind of a it was a kind of a weird time kind of like with Miami and and uh, Tua. You have two teams that they're they're not playing terrible. They have winning records. But then the head coaches are like, "You know what? We're going to make a QB switch." But you yeah, have but teams that gone in opposite directions. That's, it's worked well for Miami, but not true. Chicago. But you have a lot of teams yeah. that seem to, quote unquote, jump the gun. It hasn't really worked out. But it, John, as, as far as touching about talking about Matt Nagy, is there anyone as an offensive coordinator, either at the pro level or maybe a head coach in college, that you would want to see in Chicago?
1: No, definitely. there. There's a couple. Um, I'm just going to name two off the top of my head. Yeah, um, Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator from uh, the Patriots, I know he's been offered quite a few times from other teams and he's turned them down uh, just because he wants to stick with Belichick. But I feel like that would be a, a pretty good fit with us. Uh, His mindset is definitely good for our offense and maybe can shape us a little bit better. Yeah. And then um, my favorite coach, or at least one of my favorite coaches, uh, Jim Harbaugh.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Mm -hmm. I would love to see him come and uh, work with the Bears. There was actually a couple of rumors floating around for a while, but I don't really think any of them are true.
0: I think that would be a good fit because Jim Harbaugh, he's kind of got some grit. Obviously, it, he he was very successful at Stanford, which led him to being a successful head coach at San, in San Fran. I think he fits as far as personality and coaching style, just like Josh McDaniels. They kind of have that grittiness to them. Now, Josh may be a little flamboyant, in you know, a so to speak, but he knows what it takes in order to win and to succeed at a high level. I also think personality-wise, Jim Harbaugh would be – You know, on the opposite spectrum of Nagy, I think that as fans, if you know those who are not dedicated Bears fans, we don't hear a lot of information from Nagy. He seems to be a quieter head coach, whereas Jim Harbaugh, he's quite expressive on the sidelines with Michigan, and I think that that would be a great personality for Chicago. But, John, you bring up the point with um, Josh McDaniels. I think this year could be a little different with him trying to find a head coaching job because he no longer has Tom Brady, and it hasn't worked well with Cam Newton. It's trending though; he's they're yeah. getting better. Cam Newton's figuring it out. Uh,
1: Well, I mean, I mean, that, they, they did beat the Ravens, you know. But th- that
0: thing was like in a hurricane. I, I mean, I think um, <laughs> they got lucky. Andrew and I we split on that game; he ended up winning, but I was like watching the camera, I'm like, how on earth can anyone hold on to the ball? But I digress. But I think that Josh McDaniels this year would be a better opportunity for him to have a head coaching gig. You know, in years past, you've talked about how dedicated he's been to Bill Belichick, but he also had that safety net, if you will, of Tom Brady. And this could be a good year for him to just say, you know, I'm going to cut bait and run. And he's got some teams that he can, he can choose the cream of the crop, if you will. And I would rather have the Bears as a team than, Maybe the Jets or the Giants. So as far as like three candidates that I would love to see in Chicago, or actually four. One of them we've spoke on before on the podcast, Eric Bynumy, offensive coordinator in Kansas City. But the three—that's that's like that's like Matt Nagy all I, over again. Well, uh, yeah, that that is coming from the same line of Andy Reid. But three other candidates I would love to see is offensive coordinator Greg Olson from Las Vegas. He's pretty mm-hmm. much rejuvenated Derek Carr's career. He's having an MVP like season that a lot of people are sleeping on. Another one, Joe Brady, offensive coordinator from Carolina, but he's been under Matt Rule for so long. I don't know if he's ready to leave after his first season. Mm-hmm. And then the final one, Brian Schottenheimer from from Seattle. Seattle, yeah. I think he's been under Russell Wilson. I know Russell Wilson makes can make anyone look better, but he's been under a quarterback that has maybe they've taught each other some things. So those are the three, aside from Eric Brenemy, that I would love to see in Chicago. You kind of need a quarterback with those. Yeah. And I don't think that Nick Foles, I mean, John, you can give us your opinion next year. What do you see the quarterback situation in Chicago being?
1: I mean, I'd have to double check and see what Trubisky's contract looks like. I, I don't even remember what he signed for, but um, my guess is they're probably going to keep him and maybe try to draft another quarterback or try to pick up one of these quarterbacks that aren't doing very well. Um, I know Sam Darnold's been been around, uh, like a rumor going around that he might come to Chicago. Um, I don't, you know, I I don't even know what happened to Josh Rosen, but I've I've always liked Josh Rosen, but, Mm -hmm. you know, that would be another possible candidate. Maybe he just didn't fit in with Arizona. He didn't really have a great head coach to begin with when he first started in Arizona. And then he went to Miami and he kind of just got left on to Miami and now he's behind Tom Brady, which he's definitely never gonna see any playtime over yeah.
0: there. I think so right now Mitch Trubisky's he's actually on the last year of his contract, his rookie contract, and not they didn't they didn't pick up the fifth yeah, year option. I am right. not surprised. Um I mean I would agree. I think right now, you know, that kind of the rephrase your question a little bit, Dano's. you know, what are the biggest issues in Chicago that you might see, John? Because for me, it's the QB situation. Would you agree with that? Trubisky? Yeah, do you, do you believe that the biggest issue in Chicago right now is the QB situation?
1: Um, you know, I, I really think it, it's a combination of things because it's real easy to point the finger at one person, and, you know, that's that's the biggest thing that I really don't like. Yeah. You know, um, from my from my professional experience, my career, what I do as a manager, I, I never like to really point the blame at one single person. I always think it's a team effort. So it's not just Trubisky. They definitely need to uh, figure out something with the O-line and give him a little bit more time. Yeah, sometimes he has all the time in the world to throw that ball. But um, if you were to look at last season, he had the time to throw the ball, and he always tried to figure out how to make a play happen. Uh, I yeah. think it was what, last year, the year before, he was able to take them to the playoffs because he just – gets out there, runs the ball if he needs to, runs out of pocket and tosses it on the run. He, he's definitely a, a pretty good quarterback. He can be a lot better if he had a little bit better O-line and maybe a better coach.
0: What I, what I think about Mitch Trubisky is a lot of people will 100% believe that he is one of the toughest players in the league. He, As you mentioned, the O-line has kind of been a problem the last couple of years. And when I was looking at the QB situation, I was kind of curious. I was asking myself, and I I talked about this a couple weeks ago with Daniel. I said, Daniel, who's the best quarterback that Chicago has ever had? And I had to think about that. We we know Chicago for having phenomenal defense, especially linebackers, one of the greatest running backs of all time. Mm -hmm. They have a, a legacy of Hall of Famers. But when I looked at it, Jay Cutler is probably the best quarterback that Chicago has ever had. And...
1: Did you forget about
0: Jim McMahon? Jim McMahon, but I, I, I mean, I guess as far as maybe in the last, maybe in the last uh, couple decades, because yeah. you know Chicago, they're they're literally a hundred years old. Their their franchise is is hit a century old. When is the last time they have really been relevant? I, I understand that they won the Super Bowl in '85, and, and they w- went back to the Super Bowl in 2006 against the Colts, lost to Peyton Manning. But it's been nearly for uh, 30 years that Chicago's haven't even done anything. And Jay Cutler has been the best quarterback since the last time they won anything. So it's like, yeah. when is Chicago going to realize, like, and I understand drafts are hit and misses, and and it's up to coaching and organizations to kind of groom players. But for an organization or franchise that has so much history, the fact that Chicago quarterback situation isn't the strongest is, is just kind of uh, surprising to me.
1: You know, a lot of people were really upset with Trubisky the way he performed uh, the first three games of the season. And, you know, I, I live in Arizona, uh, and I text my cousins uh, every single game. We all text each other, and they talk about how everybody's upset with Trubisky, and everybody wanted him out, and Nick Foles came in. And like I said, I, I really don't think that was the time, though bring in Nick Foles. And I think if they would have waited um, and given Trubisky another chance, he might've been able to turn it around a little bit Or Having Nick Foles come in a little bit later would have made Nick Foles look a lot better than what he looks like.
0: And now it kind of looks like Matt Nagy is like, well, if I put Trubisky back in, now I'm playing this seesaw. And now I'm doubting my own, you know, faith in, in Nick Foles. It's really exhausting for team and, a f- and fan base to keep going back and forth with quarterbacks. But as far as the next question, so, John, as far as the future in Chicago, what would you like to see in Chicago going forward?
1: As far as the draft goes, um, you know, I definitely think we might need to look for maybe a couple offensive linemen and, and um, maybe some backup. Um, D-, D lineman because you know with with uh, I think Akeem Hicks got hurt last night. Yeah, he did, and it looked um, like it was
0: know. a non contact contact injury too.
1: Yeah, you know somebody like that who's so viable to to our defense, it definitely showed, and they were able to expose us a little bit. We were able to hold Dalvin Cook for the longest time, and he was he was being very frustrated, and then as soon as Akeem Hicks got out of the game. <laughs> they definitely took advantage of it. And, you know, that's something where we need to be able to patch that hole. Um, you know, Phileo Mack and Robert Quinn, they can only do so much up there in the front. Um, definitely need that, that third body presence. And you know, I'm not too sure exactly what's the age. Um, a couple of these guys that we have up front, but they are experienced, which is why they're so valuable. And with Experience comes age. So we always have to look forward towards the
0: future. Yeah, I mean, and I think with Khalil Mack, like you you made such a big acquisition with him, and he's arguably one of the best defensive players in the last decade behind Aaron Donald. I would hate to for Chicago to waste all that time, energy, money, and not be able to produce any wins. And I think going forward, what I want to see in Chicago is, you have to make moves within the draft because there's been a lot of bust in Chicago the about about the last five years. Well, one of them was the fact they moved up one spot to get Mitchell Trubisky, and they gave up a, a boatload of picks to do so. And I think that you know hindsight's twenty twenty, and looking at Ryan Pace, like the decision he made to do that, I'm like mm, that probably wasn't the best choice. But I do have to, you know, while we're speaking of. Khalil Mack and that defense, I have to give props and thanks to the bears defense for holding Dalvin cook back because he, I was facing him in fantasy and I was praying that he would not go off. And I won by four points. I'm like, thank you Chicago defense. Cause I was afraid I was going to get blown up. Uh, Cause he's just been so fantastic. The ever since he came back from his injury. So thank you, Chicago bear defense. And aside from Chicago losing, I hate that they wasted those burnt orange jerseys that they wear. I love – those are, in my opinion, top five nicest jerseys in the NFL. Yeah. I absolutely love the orange jerseys yeah, that Andrew, Chicago wears. Andrew talks about it all the time, that he wants that, like, Christmas or something, he wants that orange jersey from yeah. Chicago. Give me, give me a Khalil Mack orange jersey, and I'll be happy.
1: If they do decide to give Trubisky another shot and maybe sign him for a year or two, like I said, they definitely need to build around him up, up in front And, um, as far as our running back situation goes, I've been hearing a lot of talk about Montgomery. Montgomery is definitely an explosive running back. He just really hasn't had the opportunity to go ahead and show it. He's had a couple of games, especially like against, I think it was Carolina. He did, he did pretty, pretty well. He was able to step in and run all over Carolina for a bit. Um, But other than that, I mean, as far as the future for Chicago goes, this was definitely the year that I was really kind of hoping on it. And, uh,
0: yeah. you know,
1: once again, a little bit disappointed, but, um, you know, especially last night, uh, I'm, I'm actually out here. On a, I'm a little vacation off with of that. I, I was watching the game at one of the bars, and um, I think the biggest disappointment besides the actual game was I was sitting next to a table full of uh, older ladies and they were chanting the Vikings' fight song every time. They did something <laughs> amazing. So <laughs> to get shown up by some old lady, that was a little <laughs> embarrassing. But,
0: yeah, that's kind of maybe uh, well, Other
1: than that. Just kind of go there and take their cane. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: yeah, I, and I think that with the, with the running back situation, like, you know, Chicago ranks last in the league in rushing touchdowns, and they're almost last when it comes to total touchdowns. So that, that mm-hmm. offense needs a little rejuvenation, but I don't think it's going to be provided by Nick Foles. And we don't know what his injury is looking like. They say that he has like a pointer on his hip and it's not as bad as they expected, but mm-hmm. I don't think Nick Foles is going to get that offense moving along. And Mitchell Trubisky, I like him as a person, but I don't know if he's going to provide that umph at that. The bears need for on this side of the offense, the defense, is Stellar and we've talked about them numerous times, but we really got to jolt that offense and hopefully Chicago yeah. can can be successful again because I've told Andrew this before the NFC North is my favorite division with you know the such history within the NFC North. Yeah. And I love the matchups. It doesn't matter what game is being played within those four teams. I love watching the NFC North. Yeah, definitely the toughest
1: uh, division. Yeah, Not as far as that, <laughs> but uh, yeah. we definitely make it a hard game every time.
0: Mm-hmm. Very competitive. And, and talking before we move on to the last kind of question for you, John, is it's unfortunate that Tyreek Cohen got hurt because he was an intricate part in in what Chicago did offensively. Now, you know, for Dana and I, he's actually a local boy. I mean, he went to school literally five minutes down the road for us, so we kind of know Tyreek on a different level. But, he he's he's such an elusive back that he can catch and run. He's he's not as talented as Christian McCaffrey, but he has the likeness and the ability to play like him. So I would love for mm. Chicago. They have some really good offensive pieces, Allen Robinson and and Anthony Miller. You have some you have some resources on the outside. I understand some of the players are hurt, but I really think as far as the future going forward, once Chicago fills up, you know, figures out the quarterback situation. I think that they can be successful and end up winning the NFC North and beating the Packers ultimately.
1: Definitely, I mean, uh, Tariq Cohen being hurt, um, we definitely try to move past it, uh, but we can't have Cordell Patterson run back <laughs> a kickoff uh, touchdown every single game to help us. That's out. true. <laughs> you know, he he that would can't, be awesome, but
0: as good of a player as Cordell Patterson is, he you know, he he can't be receiving the ball and running the ball and doing kickoff return and all that. But moving on to kind of the last question, cause we're going to discuss power rankings today in the podcast for, from the outside looking in, because Chicago in the beginning of the year, I think most people could make an argument. Hey, they're a top five team. I don't think that they're that case anymore. I don't even think they're a top 10 due to the fact that they've lost four in a row, but from your top five teams, who do you think belongs there?
1: Um you guys are gonna be a little bit surprised with uh, the way I ranked my top five. Uh so for number five, I actually picked the Buffalo Bills. Uh they're sitting with a record of seven and three and a divisional record of three and zero.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yep. you know, they're definitely a very strong team. They they got it somewhat together with Josh Allen. But um, you know, they had some close call games. Uh they had the Jets game. That was a little disappointing to watch. It was what back and forth field goals and then yeah. maybe one touchdown from the Bills. Um, and then the Arizona game uh, this past week, you know, who saw that coming? Nobody <laughs> predicted that would happen, but then you got yeah. DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray. They can make miracles happen. You know? and,
0: and anyway, if but, it's not for that catch too, instead of seven, three, we're talking about eight and two and, one game yep. back from from being as good as Kansas City. And, and one of their losses is against Tennessee. And we know that Tennessee, since that week four matchup, yeah. Tennessee has gone one direction and the Bills have gone in a different direction. I think the Bills are much better than they were and I think the Titans are much worse. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. I, I, I would agree right now that despite the loss to Arizona, Bills are a really good team. And if it's not for that miraculous mm-hmm. catch, one of the best catches that I've personally seen in my life if you take that away, the Bills win this game.
1: Uh, I think the Bills finish with the record of uh, ten and six. Uh, I know that sounds a little insane with the way that they've been playing lately, but they got a pretty tough schedule going forward. And mm-hmm. um, if Miami keeps this up, they yeah. might even be able to knock the Bills off in first place.
0: That's true. The, Bills, the Miami Dolphins right now are playing some great, you know, defensive football offensively, Tua is still trying to figure it out. He's, the good thing is with Tua, he's not making mistakes. So I'd rather Tua play some clean football where maybe it's not as good as maybe some other quarterbacks, but he's making no mistakes, which Fitzpatrick was known for. So I do like Miami challenging Buffalo, but I agree with you. I think they might be a top five team right now. As far as number four, who's your four team?
1: Number four team is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Do oh. a record of 9-0 and 4-0. I put them at 4. Yeah,
0: you weren't lying. with no, a <laughs> lot of
1: people... <laughs> yeah, you see, I knew this was going to cause a little bit of uh, controversy.
0: We're talking about uh, the reason why I'm Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah. right? Yeah, you're talking about this year, right? That's...
1: All right. Yeah. I'm let, let's talking hear. about this year. <laughs> yeah, I'll explain. I'll explain. Now, they did have some notable wins against the Browns, the Titans, the Ravens, the Bengals, but they also had close call wins with Denver. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where's Denver? How many wins do they have? They also had a close call with the Titans, who Mm -hmm. could have won the game with the field goal. And then with the Ravens, they also had a close game with another field goal. And get this, I can't believe I'm going to say they almost lost the Dallas Cowboys.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You know? So, I mean, that just goes to show that they're definitely getting lucky with a lot of these games. Mm -hmm. But they are figuring it out as they go with a couple of these rookies that they have, uh, Claypool. And um, I can't think of everybody off the top of my head. I'm not a huge Steelers fan, but So, um, you know, I, I really do think they'll finish with the best record of the season. Um, I think they'll lose uh, two games this, this season. They'll lose Week 12 to the Ravens and then Week 14 to the Bills, put it on that 14 at 2.
0: And I can see them even losing the last two games against the Colts and the Browns. So... You do have a valid point. Um, At number four, I probably wouldn't put them there. Actually, I haven't put them there myself, but I could see a reason for it. They definitely have seen some wins break their way. Uh, That defense has been good. It started out stellar at the beginning of the season, but they've regressed a little bit. And I could see them losing. You say two. I could see maybe three. Uh, by the end of the season, yeah, they will have a great record, but um your 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 reasoning isn't uh, too far out there i I understand it yeah I think for for mm-hmm. me, the thing is with the Steelers, they haven't had anything go wrong with them yet, like I understand that you know Ben rothosberger was a possibility to miss in this game, but their roster and schedule has actually bode well in their favor they haven't really had any injuries. So you're going to have teams that have, like, for the instance, the Steelers, who have everything going well for them. And I think maybe toward closer to the playoffs, they might experience some adversity, and they might not be able to overcome it because during the regular season, you have time to overcome some adversity. For the Steelers, yeah. if they don't face it you know, close to the playoffs, the question is, Do you think that they're a good enough team to overcome that adversity? I don't think so because they almost lost to the Cowboys. Like you said, they almost lost to the 3-6 and Broncos. There are some teams Mm -hmm. in some games that they were close in that they were able to beat, but what happens when they go up against a team that is much better than the ones they've almost lost to? Are they going to be able to overcome that? Exactly. For the number three spot, John, for you, you got the Steelers at four. Who's your three spot?
1: The number three spot is going to be the Tennessee Titans. Ooh. Three, and then a divisional record. Oh, man. God bless you. Yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> now, uh, I'm placing them here because, um, you know, they did have some pretty good wins uh, against the Jacks, the Vikings, the Bills, and the Texans. But uh, every win so far has um, been pretty close, uh, except against the Bills, which they blew the Bills out of the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, I'm, I'm placing them here because they have a better receiving core, and, of course, they have Derrick Henry. Yes. Um, their defense definitely needs to get it together, and if they're able to pull through, I think they could definitely come back in Week 12, beat the Colts, and then uh, have a finishing record of 11-5. and No, I, I just want to put this out there. With the Titans, or not with the Titans, with the Colts, a lot of people are blowing them up, thinking that they're amazing. I guarantee you, they're going to finish the season eight and eight.
0: I was actually talking about this with Daniel. I think that the Titans, one, they were embarrassed at home on Thursday Night Football national television. I think they're actually going to go to Baltimore this week because they're playing Titans play much better away than they do at home. And another thing is, when they have to go to Indy in two weeks. I think the Colts are still going to kind of be on a high, you know, the culture having to play green Bay this week, that's going to be a very difficult matchup for them. But I think kind of what you said, John is the culture kind of on a, on a, a high right now. And the, and the Titans are embarrassed They're I think their character, maybe not their character, maybe their, uh, yeah, their ego or whatever is kind of attacked right now. And I think that they're going to be ending two weeks. And then we'll be again, talking about Titans being one of the best teams in the NFL. But I, I kind of want to put this stat out there. With I was going to talk about this when we talk about Tennessee um, later on, but this is a, a good point. You know, Mike Vrabel, when he's coming off of bye or a primetime game, he is 5-0. and oh. So they played Thursday night. I think that, I mean, they've shown in the playoffs last year that they can beat Baltimore, and I don't think this team is as good as they were last year especially on the offensive side. They kind of have um, Lamar Jackson's number at this point. So I have confidence in Tennessee to win this weekend in Baltimore, especially since they don't have those fans. But um, that, that ranking is quite high. So for all Titans fans out there, you should you should be thanking John for ranking <laughs> you that high. Because I surely, spoiler alert, I surely do not have them that high. Yeah, I, I don't as well. But yeah, and, and Daniel gave a great stat. The thing is with Mike Vrabel as well, when the Titans under Mike Vrabel have 10 or more days of rest, they are 9-1. I look for Tennessee to win this matchup against Baltimore, and we get back in the discussion, because then they're going to be 7-3. And, and they'll probably most likely be one in the AFC South. So I understand you're, you're ranking, putting them at 3 but you are a little gracious, so I, I do appreciate your honesty. But uh, you know, we we need people like that. So number three, the Tennessee Titans. Now your number two. I hope it's someone. You know, I don't know. Just tell me. Tell me your number two. I want. I want to hear it.
1: All right. So my number two. I really wish it would have been the other guy, but my number two is going to be the New Orleans Saints.
0: Okay. Yeah. Now okay. the
1: other guy, of course. Uh, Tampa Bay. I really wish it would have been Tampa Bay, but unfortunately New Orleans beat them twice. Mm-hmm. So no yep. matter what, um, they're probably going to win the division. Yeah. So
0: It'd that's be really why hard. I
1: had to put them at number two.
0: Yeah. And the thing yeah, is so, with, um, you know, Drew Brees, he, he's probably going to be out a couple games. We'll talk about it a little later in the podcast when they have their matchup. But before Drew Brees gets hurt, I mean, I, last week I said that they're an elite team, and I think that they displayed that against a tough 49ers defense. And who knows what the Saints are going to be like going forward. But I like the fact that you have them in the top five because I, I do believe that the that a lot of people are overlooking the Saints and they're thinking, okay, the Buccaneers are the best team in the NFL. They just blew out the Panthers. But the thing is the Bucs lost twice to the Saints. Yep. You got to give the Saints credit. So I do like them at the two spot. Yep. And even if you look at their remaining schedule, they got the Falcons twice. They got Carolina, the Eagles, and the Broncos. So for the rest of the season, I think their only losses potentially, Chiefs could be one, and then maybe the Vikings. But I see them winning, you know, five of their last seven games. That'd be pretty good for, for the Saints, especially when you got Tampa Bay, who... I mean, they're going to get a wild-card spot at this point, I would think. Uh, but to distance yourself further to winning the division, the Saints have it pretty good for the rest of the season. Yeah, they they control their own destiny. The Saints don't have to worry about anything Tampa Bay does because they've won the tiebreaker, guaranteed it, won both in their matchups. The Saints just need to worry about themselves. Tampa Bay Bucks are looking in the rearview mirror. That's fine. But at the number two spot, I like it.
1: I mean – the biggest thing is going to be the timeline for Drew Brees. That's mm-hmm. where they're going to have to definitely pray before every game. Uh, <laughs> and Just make sure that they can uh, you know, make get a win without him until he's able to come back. I think if uh, he's not able to come back within the next month, so four weeks, I think they should finish at least around 10-11 games won. But I think if he comes back, they'll probably end up winning about 12-15 games.
0: And who knows? Because this game with Drew Brees being out, it's going to kind of be like last year. Drew Brees was hurt. Teddy Bridgewater comes in, plays extremely well, ends up earning a contract with Carolina. And my foreshadowing here was saying, hey, Jameis Winston, here's your opportunity to oh, find okay. some redemption. Okay. okay. I'm just saying he could come in and play, you know, sure. three or four games, end up winning those games for him. Because I think the Saints are good enough on both sides of the ball. Who knows? Jameis Winston might find himself a job next year, maybe in Chicago. <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> if you if you look at Jameis Winston when he was playing with the Bucks, he had uh, a multitude of weapons. Yeah. And oh, with the yes. Saints, he pretty much has Kamara. Michael Thomas has been such a um, disappointment since he came back. Yeah. I actually traded him away <laughs> in my fantasy league of the way he performed against the Bucs.
0: I mean, smart move for you because he's Which been playing bad.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, I really don't know exactly what he's going to be able to do with this New Orleans offense. Uh, do I think he's a good quarterback? Yeah, he definitely has potential, but I don't know how he's going to do it with this offense.
0: Well, with with um, Jameis Winston, I mean, in Tampa Bay, He was a great quarterback. It seemed like he was throwing, he was leading the league in yards. I think last year, and you know, in the top three, he was. You know, he led the league last year, I believe. But the problem is, he also not only was he high on his offensive skills, he was also high on the mistakes. Yeah, that was that was the Buccaneers' problem. Is that you can count Jameis Winston to throw the ball a lot and to throw down the field quite often, but you're also putting the risk of how many interceptions is this kid going to get in a game. So with, with the, um, the saints right now, it's projected that drew will miss two to three weeks. Um, drew has talked about, mm-hmm. he's going to try and get back as soon as possible, but, uh, Jameis has about three weeks that he can, um, make a difference for the saints. And if you're needing a flyer quarterback on your fantasy, if you want someone to throw the yards down, I, I think it would be Jameis Winston to do that. Yeah, he's definitely a gunslinger, but when you have 33 touchdowns and 30 interceptions, I mean, that that's ridiculous. And so I'm, I'm surprised that the Saints you know, picked him up, but we said a couple weeks ago on the podcast that a lot of teams do not invest in their backup quarterbacks. We're actually seeing that in Chicago right now. Teams need to invest in their backup quarterbacks. The Saints did that, even though it's kind of a gamble. I understand with Jameis Winston and the mistakes he's made, but it might pay off for them going forward for the rest of the year. So for the last team.
1: We can always call (laughs) Jacob.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. As far as your number one team, I believe I know who it is. If it's not who I think it is, I might flip this table. But who's your one team, John?
1: (laughs) I know who you're expecting me to say, and I'm sorry to disappoint you, but my number one team. Who I believe will win every single game for the rest of the season. Um, is going to be the Seattle Seahawks.
0: Okay, Whoa. flip the table, flip oh the table. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have the Kansas City Chiefs in the top five. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, you... I, I will.
1: I'll explain. I'll explain my reasons. I'll We need to All
0: right.
1: So as far as the Seattle Seahawks go, they are six and three at the moment. Divisional, they're one and two. And I chose them because I think Wilson's got all of his bad games for the year out of the way. And I honestly do think they're going to win every game going forward. If you look at all their matchups, uh, you know, they're ranked number five in passing and they have Russell Wilson passing that ball. They're ranked second in receiving the most dynamic receivers, Metcalf and uh, Lockett. And then you also have uh, their eighth and first downs, unfortunately, 16th in rushing, but they have such an explosive running back core ever since Carson uh, has been out. Um, they've been switching between DJ Dallas and uh, Homer and Carlos Hyde
0: as well. Yeah.
1: Trying to, I think Carlos Hyde yeah. hurt around the same time as him, but mm-hmm. Carlos Hyde is also another explosive guy. Last year he had over a thousand yards rushing. So yeah. if he was able to cover for him while he's been gone, they would have definitely been okay. Still.
0: Now, and then you, not only
1: that, but they're second in scoring in the entire league right behind Tampa Bay.
0: I agree with you on the offensive side of the ball 100%. Everything you list, check, check, check. It's the defensive and side of the ball. The defense. <laughs> it, it, you, you have to consider it because their defense is terrible, it's abysmal. John, did you, did you forget mm-hmm. in football you have an offense and a defense because
1: there's no way on earth? No, that, I know <laughs>
0: that team I is number one with that defense. Oh,
1: but if you if you look at their matchups, uh, I mean, they still have, what, four or five divisional matchups left? And, I don't think they've
0: and wait, oh, finished on. all hold on. Remember last week I said, and I didn't take my own freaking advice, and I said that <laughs> Russell Wilson has lost four of his last five games against division teams, and then he just lost last week to the Rams, so now it is... Five and six of his last losses. Guess who's holding up their hand that got that pick right. Yeah, well, that's not me. So, and but they're playing the Cardinals this week. So, are you sure about him winning the rest of this season? I guarantee it. Guarantee. You hear that, ladies and gentlemen, on the Pigskin Mm -hmm. Podcast. (laughs) We have a very confident (laughs) Bears fan. He (laughs) believes the Seahawks are going to win the rest of the season. I apologize. Now, again offensive side of the ball I'm, I'm right there with you but it's just there's so many concerns on the defensive side of the ball that that cannot give me confidence I don't even know I, we're gonna get into game matchups I don't even know if they're going to beat the, the Cardinals this week as well as how you know how well they are playing right now but at the number one spot I'm I'm curious to hear why Kansas City is not in your top five
1: all right now this is definitely I put a lot of thought into this. Uh, I tried to make up a little bit better excuse. But to be <laughs> honest, you know I'm a Bears fan. And you know how much I love my Bears. And the way that Patrick Mahomes displayed his uh, quote-unquote professionalism when he played us, I think it was last year, and he just mocked the entire Bears organization the entire game. Uh, I just I couldn't get over it. Yeah. You know, I, I love Mahomes as a, as a guy. He's definitely a great guy, great quarterback. Um, but you know, I have more respect for um, Aaron Rodgers than I do for Patrick Mahomes.
0: That that's saying a lot, because the Packers have done a lot to Chicago over the years. But is it? Do you think? Just be transparent with this. does part of this have to deal with the fact that you guys passed up Patrick Mahomes in the NFL draft. Oh.
1: No, no. Uh, I definitely do not uh, have any regret for not drafting Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I'm the kind of guy who, if I stick with my word, I stick with it. Uh, or if I say something, I stick with my word. Yeah. And I definitely um, do not regret it. I mean, Trubisky was able to take us to the playoffs. And, mm-hmm. you know, we had a winning season. And like I said, if just because this season was terrible doesn't mean we're going to not be able to make it to the playoffs next year or the year after, if we were to go ahead and keep Trubisky because there's still a lot of molding to do. And if we decide to go another route, um, I'll back up that quarterback as well.
0: You know, speaking of looking back at, you know, what moves should or should not have been made with the draft. I don't like reflecting on, you know, draft picks, whether they were booms or busts because that coin there's two sides to that coin because what happens if Patrick Mahomes didn't end up being the star that he is in Kansas City yeah, that's true you could look at the flip side of that and say why did they pull the trigger on him you know because I, I remember in college the only thing that I that stood out to me with Patrick Mahomes is how far he could throw the ball but on the looking at every aspect of a quarterback, He, I mean, if he was what we thought he was going to be, he would have been drafted one or two overall in that draft. So I don't, you know, as a fan, I wouldn't have any regrets if my team made a decision because every team, all 32 teams deal with booms or busts in their draft. You know, now you would hope that your general manager would have the intuition to understand, you know, good players versus bad. But, you know, in that situation you know, Mitchell Trubisky was the best quarterback going into the draft. And if he came out a year sooner, they were still talking about him being a top five pick. But kind of, you know, adding to what you're saying, Dano, is the thing is if you look at all the successful quarterbacks in the league, Patrick Mahomes, you can talk about Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, even Russell Wilson, they did not start right away. Mitchell Trubisky pretty much had a start right away. He was kind of thrown in the fire. He was expected to save the franchise. And a lot of quarterbacks nowadays, they don't do well with that. So Patrick Mahomes had the ability to be behind Alex Smith and have a Hall of Fame coach steering him in the right direction. Trubisky hasn't had that in Chicago.
1: You know, you, you bring up a good point with all these other legendary quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, there was a, I don't know if, uh, you've ever seen this documentary i forget the name name of it but um it was talking about when aaron rogers was uh in the draft and he was passed up by so many teams and the bears literally had his number on the line they were about to call him and they decided to call somebody else i forget who yeah. was that person they picked over aaron Rodgers, but you know, there's the wrong person. That's all we you know. There's always that right? exactly the wrong person, but you know, there's always that possibility for anybody to be um, on anything, any legendary player. Um, and it's just, it's a gamble,
0: you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, we no could, we could play this. what if the hypotheticals we can play all this stuff exactly. at the end of the day. It comes down to, in my personal belief, it comes down to ownership because when you have a successful ownership, it trickles down to how the organization is run, how coaches are hired, and things like that. And I think the Bears, they have the oldest owner in the NFL. I mean, she's <laughs> she's knocking on the door of death. Uh yeah, v- Virginia McCaskey. Yeah, she's, like she's ninety-three, like, I think. No, not, she's ninety seven year years old. Ninety seven years old. Holy smokes. And she's no,
1: that's, that's mama's bear.
0: Yeah, and she's been a she's been a great owner but you have a lot of owners that are kind of more aggressive than what she has been. And I'm, I'm assuming she's going to hand it down to someone within the family, but probably one of her sons. Yeah. And you know, I, Chicago is one of those franchises that I, that I want to see do well. Uh, I, I love a lot of what Chicago as a city brings as a, as a team and organization, people can say whatever they want about Chicago, but they're a really good organization top to bottom. And it's just unfortunate that it hasn't relayed, on the field yet
1: we'll have our time yeah it's just a matter of uh, patience well and i have a lot of patience
0: (laughs) well i mean you you say that your time will come i mean you've had one more time than the titans so at least you have that uh we can't say the same um but you know john we appreciate you coming on the podcast today yeah so uh again
1: thank you guys for having me on here
0: yeah appreciate it and you know we look forward to having you more uh as as the season progresses, but uh, everyone that's just John. He's again, an avid supporter of the pickskin podcast. So if you want to be on the podcast and be in John's position where you can come on here, support your team, kind of brag on it or be on the opposite and kind of, you know, give some pointers of what the organization should do. You could do it here on the pickskin podcast. So thank you so much, John. And we look forward to hearing from All you right. in the future.
1: Thank you guys. You guys have a good one.
0: Thanks, John. You too. Now you give us our top five, power rankings. Now, some of them, Oh gosh! I will say, John, I commend you for being bold and letting us know that the Kansas city chiefs are not in your top five and that the Tennessee Titans are, I'm blown away, but I commend you for your honesty and your transparency and your friends are probably going to probably chastise you for it, but that's okay. But let's talk about our power rankings. And we're, we're just going to kind of blast through them again. Last time we spent a long time on them. We're not going to do it this week. As of right now, I think the 32nd team, I think everybody understands this. I'll just start out. It's the New York Jets right now. They're 0-9, they're and, and they have a negative 147 point differential. Someone argue that they are not the worst team in football. Please do. I tried that a couple weeks ago when they played the Chiefs, and it is very difficult to try and pin that side uh, that the Jets do not deserve the 32nd spot. I encourage you guys to listen to that podcast because that was a funny segment that Daniel had to... Advocate for the Jets against the Chiefs. It was funny, <laughs> but who's your thirty-second team? I mean, it's it's the Jets. I don't think yeah. that we need to go much into the Jets. We've talked about them week after week. Adam Gase, what are you still doing there? Hey, 32. but Joe Flacco is playing this Sunday. He looked pretty good against the Patriots. They had a bye week, so they had a guaranteed win. They didn't play last week. And Joe Flacco is set to start this Sunday. I mean, we both agreed on thirty-two. I think. But let's do, let's do let's do a countdown. Okay, three. Two, one, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Yeah. I mean, they're one and eight. They're not any better than the Jets. They just have one more tick than the others. Uh, Negative 72 point differential. They can't score the ball and they can't stop the scoring. Now, they did almost beat the Packers, which I talked about last week when we were picking our, our picks. When we were deciding our picks, I said, beware of Jacksonville with Lutton as quarterback and the fact that the Packers defense is not much better than Houston, and that game was close and they almost upset them. So I, I put a feather in my cap because I had it right with that now, prediction. I will say. I first of all, I don't even know if his name's Lutton or Luton. I've I've heard I've heard so many different commentators it's like with Marietta. No one Yeah, I, no I have, one knows how to say their name right. Jacksonville at thirty one. For mine, I have the same at thirty Dallas Cowboys. Yes, that's what I have. They're two and seven they just they're they're just coming off a bye week. Now their previous game against Pittsburgh, they looked really good. Mm-hmm. I I'm I'm hoping and praying that Dallas comes back and they perform well. It the NFL is just not the same when Dallas is not doing well. You you have a large fan base, arguably the biggest one in the NFL. Yeah, and it, it's a polarizing situation because when Dallas is doing well, People either love that they're doing well or they hate it. And I it love, just- I love when Dallas isn't doing well and they have the these hopes, and then at the very last game of the season, the Dallas Cowboys just completely crush them. It's a little different. I know it's probably a little mean, but they're completely out of it now. So the the Cowboy fans are yeah, in their just- little dungeon, their mom's basement or something. They're not talking much. Yeah, it's different when they're on the verge of winning the NFC East, which is still winnable. That's true. You, so like they're, they're not literally you are, at this point. It is crazy the fact that you can be two and seven and still win the division. And and not even like you don't even have to do much. You you can win. Honestly, this division can get you five or six wins and you win the, you win it this year. That is terrible. So Dallas, you're not out of the woods yet. Which talking about the NFC East, it's gonna get a little crowded here by it. But who's your your thirtieth team is Dallas as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah, Dallas. So we share with that, 29. I have Philadelphia. 3-5-1. Mm, okay. and one. They don't look good. They're only a little better than Dallas. They are a little better than Dallas, which is why I have them further down my rankings. At 29, I have Houston, which when I did my ratings, when I did my ranking last time, they've actually dropped two spots since then. But Houston, offensively, it hasn't worked out well. Again, Seeing that DeAndre Hopkins catch makes you wonder why on earth did they get rid of him? Their defense can't stop the run to save a life. And I don't foresee that getting any better this weekend when they end up when they play the Patriots this week, which Rex Burkhead had a great game. For those looking at the wire and fantasy, he could be a potentially good pickup against that Houston run defense. So it was i was last in league. So it's a yeah. good one. I actually picked yeah. him up. Fantasy wire. It's not the same league that I'm in because I went for him. I swear I hope I nope. better wire pick than you do. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, won, you I, w- pick up. I won and you didn't, so you'll have it. Oh. No, I did win. I won all three of my fantasy matchups. Bala. I had Houston at 29. Who's your 28th? My 28th is actually Houston itself. I think they're a little better than Philly just because despite their loss to Cleveland, I think their offense is better. Defense side the ball. Philadelphia is not bad. They're not balancing each other out well right now, and I'm not saying Houston is either, but I just think their offense is a little better. I think they're with Philadelphia. They're in a similar situation to Chicago, but it's not as extreme. Chicago's defense is so good, and their offense is so bad, whereas Philly, those two are kind of closer in terms of metrics, but I would agree with that Philly observation. Number 28, I have the Washington football team. I like what they're doing defensively. It has worked, as we've talked about each week. They continue to progress. Alex Smith had a fantastic game against the Lions. That's not saying much because Matty Patty is the head coach. Nevertheless, I do have them at 28. They just barely lost to the Lions this weekend. But that division, the NFC East, yes, it is not a good division. And all those teams are at the bottom of this ranking list. Now, my next couple teams is kind of be rap- rapid fire because I think a lot of them have similar situations. At number 27, I have Washington, 26 Giants, and Denver at number 25. Right. I think that they have some offensive weapons. Their defense can be a little up and down. Washington almost squeaked out a win against the Lions. New York Giants won again. I picked them to win that game. We both did, I believe yes we did and then denver they just looked flat all over the place so they're, they're, that's my next three teams for 27 26 and 25 i have the chargers giants and denver similar situation with you all through those teams have had injuries on both sides of the ball yeah the chargers with austin eckler losing a couple of their some of their best defensive players in la with the giants losing saquon really hurt that offense with denver half of their defense has been out. Philip Lindsay has been in and out of the the lineup with his injuries. Their QB situation as we talked about earlier, don't know what that is. But those three teams, LA, New York, and Denver, they make up 27, 26, and 25 for myself. Now my next four teams, and I didn't intentionally debunch this up like I like I am. My next four, Cincinnati, LA Chargers, Carolina, Atlanta, all four of them have pretty good offenses. Atlanta by far the best out of all four of them. Their defense is the concern where they all lack in. Now, I understand Cincinnati, they played the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe offensively, it didn't perform well. But I think that their Cincinnati is a lot better than the teams that have ranked lower than they are. I do think Atlanta, with Raheem Morris now being the interim head coach, that Atlanta is going to turn some things around, and they're going to start popping off some wins. That's why I have him at the 21st spot. At my 24 spot, I have Cincy. Joe Burrow has done excellent this season. However, that offensive line has not been able to keep him upright. That team is in a build mode, and Cincinnati is just by process of elimination there toward the end of my list. 23rd, I have Philadelphia. It says something that even though this division in the NFC East is absolute garbage, it says something when you are leading that division. So I give credit to Philadelphia for that. I don't know how you're winning the division, but nevertheless, Philly's at 23. I have Carolina at 22. Having Christian McCaffrey out for half the season, he should be playing this Sunday, by the way, which will be a good thing for them, but that has really hurt them offensively. Teddy Bridgewater, I don't think he's the future for that team. I have Carolina at 22, and at 21, I would... Echo what Andrew has said with Atlanta, and I have them at 21. So, recapping before I get into our top 20, I have Jets, Jags, Cowboys, Philly, Houston, Washington, Giants, Broncos, Bengals, Chargers, Carolina, and Atlanta. And I have, bringing up the rear, is the Jets, followed by Jacksonville, Dallas, Houston, Washington, Chargers at 27, then the Giants, Denver, Cincy, Philly, Carolina, and then Atlanta at 21. So at the 20th spot, I have to go with the Detroit Lions. Now, I know they just squeaked out a win against the Washington football team. I like what they're doing now. Matthew Stafford, I don't know what he's going to be doing going forward. The fact that Kenny Galladay is not even back yet, one, it sucks for the the team itself, but it's terrible for my fantasy football And I had Marvin Jones and I didn't play him this week and I'm just irked at myself. But hey, and I will say this though, if anybody out there that plays fantasy football, Dano alluded to having Rex Burkhead playing for the Patriots. If if you're playing, since they're playing Houston this week, if Kenny Galladay is not playing, which I don't think he is, draft Marvin Hall, the other Marvin for the Lions. When Kenny Galladay is not playing, he goes on a tear. Because I think a lot of attention goes to Marvin Jones, mm-hmm. and Marvin Hall is a good substitute to that. So, in my 20th spot, I have the 49ers. Nick Mullins has not been a good substitute for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think for them, they're strictly at this spot just because of the amount of injuries they have. And unfortunately, that begins to catch up with you as a team. Yeah. And it has thus far, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. They're still a plus four when it comes to a point differential, but they're only one of two teams that are a plus point differential who aren't in the playoffs right now, them in the Titans. Yeah. So again, injuries have caught up to them, unfortunately. So I have 49ers at 20th, my 19th spot. Well, my, my nineteenth is actually San Fran. Okay. Echoing, echoing everything Daniel said, um, it's just unfortunate with the amount of injuries they've had, especially with how many key players they've lost. And we're not going to beat a dead horse with this because everyone is aware of their roster and how it's, Changed so much throughout this season. But they are, they are, in my opinion, the 19th best team in the NFL. My 19th spot, I got the New England Patriots. And I have them at 19, which is where I had them the first time I did ranking. So, A-plus for consistency for the yeah. New England Patriots. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's good to be consistent. but so, uh, Unfortunately, they're consistently bad. Nope, and they won... Want- it- we're Let's not go. go. No, we're, we're not I go- got it right. We're not going through this again. They had a monsoon game. So it doesn't matter. Put an wins a- win, put an baby. Aster- yes, put an asterisk next to that, though. i coming for you. So I have New England at 19, at number 18. I have Bill Belichick's protege, Maddie Patty, at number 18. You know, I like that I have Danny Baggin Nichols and I have Maddie Patty now. So uh, <laughs> I'm lo- loving these nicknames. Um, Matt Patricia and the Lions, yes, they sweep. They squeaked out a win against the Washington football team. I have them in 18, which is up seven spots from when I ranked them the first time. The fact that you think the Lions are better than the Patriots right now is laughable. What's the record right now? They're both four and five. Okay. They're both four and five, and I have them one spot in, ahead of them. The Lions barely beat a Washington football team at home, and then the New England Patriots, I don't care what the weatherman says, They beat a playoff team in the Baltimore Ravens, and they are worse. Yes, but you have to give it to the Lions for what? For to what? Are you going to say that W word? Defy. You you say that W word. What W word? Win. Yeah, they. Uh, Yes, they defy uh, me, and and their defiance of me, Matt Patricia knows who I am. He's listened to this podcast. He knows who and knows my personal feeling is. Yes. And I think at this point, he's doing it just to get back at me. But nevertheless, for I my have, For my 18 team, before you rudely interrupt me. Who's your Who's your 19? San Francisco. Oh. I said that. For my 18 team, New England Patriots. You have them one spot No, no, ahead. no. I have them four spots. No, I'm sorry, two spots. I have them two spots ahead at the Detroit Lions. No, but I have New England and Detroit side by side. And you have them side by side. No, San Francisco splits them. New England 4-5. and They played a great game. I believe Cam Newton is back. He's getting the system down. He's getting more comfortable with it. I think this is what happened when the Patriots, remember a couple years ago, they started the season 1-3. and Ironically enough, they won the Super Bowl. Everybody said, well, the New England Patriots are over with. Bill Belichick needs to be fired. Tom Brady is... Falling off a cliff, as Max Kellerman would say, even though he did apologize. I will commend him for that. It only took like 10 years. People need to pump the brakes. They've won two in a row. One against a not-so-good team. The other one against a playoff team. Let's relax. They are the they are the 18th best team in the NFL. My number 17 team, the Chicago Bears. That's where I also have them. They, they just lost to the Minnesota Vikings. You lose against a quarterback who has been terrible in his career under the lights. The problem is Chicago's defense is being wasted with the inability to throw the ball longer than five yards. And well, in some situations, like we saw on Monday night, some of those balls didn't even make it to the line of scrimmage. No. Well, one of the, one of the, I think it was the play before Nick Foles got hurt. No, it was even that play. He, the ball didn't even get to the line of scrimmage. No, no, It's a different play where they completed it to Allen Robinson. I believe. And it was five yards behind the line of scrimmage. Or that's when... No, Adam Robinson didn't have any catches, at least in the last quarter last night. Which is a shame because you have a really good receiving core. But we both agree. 17 team right there. Number 16, I have to go with Minnesota. Are you reading my mind or are you reading my paper? <laughs> a very, very similar. We hope that maybe you guys agree with us. Minnesota, four and five. Minus 11 point differential, was which is a massive increase. From the first three or four games of the season. I mean, Dalvin Cook, she, geez, he's MVP, but that team needs to get him something. Get him a nice, you know, new car, golf cart. Like you're, if I'm you're, sure that's he, exactly what he wants well, is a brand-new car, being a multimillionaire. Hey, guys, give me a Ford Pinto. I didn't say it had to be a cheap car. It could have been a, I don't know. Are you going to buy it for him? Now, he didn't have the greatest of game against Chicago. I don't know many running backs that do. They uh, did enough to win. But I'm a number fifteen spot, and this is going to be the biggest, probably eyebrow raise out of everybody who's listening. Wait, including John. Let's wait. Let's count this. We're count this down. Okay. Okay. This is where John and I, who was on the podcast earlier, if you guys listen, because I want to see if you have the same team that I have. Well, we'll go with this. We'll go with the city name. Okay. You can count it down. Three, two, one. Tennessee. Tennessee. (laughs) Oh I promise you guys. I promise you, we did not look at each other each other's list, honest to God. And we never do research together. We always we, do we don't. We on. live in two different houses. The fact that we have Tennessee here shows you how bad. Honestly, I think they are the worst six and three team right now. Which there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very crowded. It's at least six or not. It's nine, I believe. Let's see. There's there's a lot. It doesn't even fit on my thing right here. Tennessee right now. How do you go five and zero? Oh, You're you're one in three in your last four games. And right now, if the playoffs started today, you would not even be in the playoffs and you wouldn't even be the one right outside of the playoffs. You are the the nine seed right now. The Tennessee Titans are playing terrible football since week four. Talked about this with John. Since week four, the Titans and the Bills have gone in vastly different directions, Mm -hmm. even though the Titans completely obliterated them. I say that right obliterated. There we go. The fact that they did not perform well at all, it, it can be frustrating from, from a fan that supports Tennessee. But that, but look at the record because, yes, we saw that the Bills literally lost. That came with two seconds left. But they only have one win separating the two of them. But when we look at those two teams, they are incomparable with each other. And for Tennessee, you rightly deserve the 15th spot, especially against that that awful, atrocious, vomit-inducing clown show against the Indianapolis Colts last week. What the gosh darn <laughs> dang is wrong with that special teams in Tennessee? A loss on the game. That is awful. We have talked about all season long about the kicking situation with Tennessee. You rank s- dead last in the league when it comes to field goals at 60%. I could kick that ball 10 times and probably get it in there six times. (laughs) You might pull a hammy. And so not only is your kicking situation bad, your punting situation is bad. And we're going to go about this when we make our picks. I'm going to go more in depth with this, but Tennessee. mm, Okay. You're at 15. (laughs) Well, I want to say this before we move on blow a gasket. Actually, I'll wait. I'll wait to talk about this with the bills, but that's our 15 team. We believe Tennessee is no better than halfway. Mm Mm-hmm. Actually, no, they're a little better yeah, than halfway. Sorry. My, math, uh, my math's wrong. At the 14th spot, have to go with Cleveland Browns. <laughs> I swear, you keep your eyes I promise on that side We're on, We are on different end, end of the table. Denon doesn't even have his laptop. It's died on him. Rest in peace. <laughs> At the but tw- I have my notebook. I, I yeah. like to handwrite. I don't like doing things on the computer. I like writing all my notes in a notepad because I'm 80 years old on the inside. Well, you do only writing cursive. This is true. (laughs) It's like my grandma writing stuff. Anyways, at the number 14 spot, dear Darla, talking about Cleveland, six and three, they won a 10 to seven game. Now you could have talked about, it could be 17 to seven. Nick Chubb destroyed a lot of hearts in that game. Nick Chubb was a dud. he, He was, but it could have been 17, seven. Anyways, the final score was 10 to seven. I think Cleveland is in the same boat with Tennessee You don't know what team you're going to get each and every week. The Cleveland Browns and the Tennessee Titans should just go to a playground, find a seesaw, and plop their butts on it. Because, like, honestly, I don't know which one's going to end up, what team's going to show up that game. Well, lucky us, they play each other later in the season. So we will see which one is going to suck the the least. (laughs) Exactly. I also had Cleveland at number 14. and number 13. Oh, how the mighty it? have fallen. Okay. Whew. Mine's uh, trending upward. I have the Seattle Seahawks at number Woo-wee. 13. At number 13, yeah, P.U. Uh, I have, I think Russell Wilson has thrown four interceptions in the past two games. Yeah. And for me, he's not MVP anymore. I think that you can. I, w- I, I, I will agree. Okay, thank you. I will so, agree. Seattle, Russell Wilson, you're still a fantastic quarterback, but I don't know what has happened with the, the throws that he the picks that he has had. It's not like bang bang, you know, ball was tipped in the air and then someone was able to scoop it before it hit the ground. Yeah, like some of these serves, I'm like Russell. This is so esque. Don't you love that vocabulary? esque. <laughs> and I have them at thirteen simply because this offense has the past two weeks has not done extremely well, but that defense again. You're not going to be able to go deep into the playoffs with that defense. They'd let anyone in. They're in the they're in the same boat with Tennessee. They both started out undefeated, one of the last remaining undefeated teams, yeah, and they're both six and three right now. It does not matter about you getting to a point of undefeated. The New England Patriots proved that in 2007, 16 and 0 in the regular season. Then they lost against a Giants team that barely made the playoffs. I don't care what the regular season says. I don't care that the Pittsburgh Steelers are nine and 0 right now. I care how you play on the field. I don't think Pittsburgh's the best team in the NFL. We'll get to that. little spoiler. But I think that with undefeated records, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago and that, that's a lot of pressure when you're an undefeated team to have to keep that up. I'm thinking I'd want that one loss so that you can release the pressure of having to maintain an undefeated season. That's what, that's what the Indianapolis Colts did a, a couple of years ago when Peyton Manning was still playing is... I think the Colts were fourteen and zero before they got their first loss. They already solidified the number one seed, and I think they lost their last two games from my memory. It is a lot of pressure, but at the thirteen spot, I have the Miami Dolphins. I think right now they're playing great defensive football. I think their special teams is right now the best in the NFL. What I am not bought in on, and I love Tua. What's so funny over there? <laughs> Nothing. Continue. Okay. Oops. What I'm not buying yet is Tua. Now he's played some mistake free football. And he's 3 0 starter. But I can't right now put them at a better offensive standpoint than the 12 teams ahead of them. They're trending upward. Look, Miami wasn't even here in our last power rankings, especially yep. my week one or whatever. I think it was week three, maybe. I have Miami at 13. Yeah, I have Miami actually at number 12, and for me, I mean, they moved up five spots from the last time that I ranked them in the power rankings. Tua, as I said, he's 3 no starter. This defense has consistently gotten better. I said last week that their special teams has been great. They deserve the 12th spot, but again, yes, offensively, they're not quite there yet, but I look forward to the fact that they're going to get a playoff seed at the beginning of the season, I didn't expect that. So I'm pleasantly surprised what Brian Flores has done in Miami. My 12th spot, team just lost against the New England Patriots, the uh, Baltimore Ravens. They're still 6-3 and three, plus 79 point differential, which is among the best in the league. A lot of that is because they're defense, not offense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that they're def- like they're they've had defensive touchdowns. Yeah. I mean I'm, not- I'm, I'm calculating that into it. I'm saying it's their defense has been much better than their offense this year. Oh, yes, for sure. So I have them at the toll spot. I mean, they're just not playing the best football right now. They they it was a bad collapse against Pittsburgh. They didn't play well against New England. Even the score was a little closer than maybe people think. But did you hear that interview that sorry to interrupt, oops, but Lamar Jackson last week when he talked about how at the line of scrimmage the defense is calling out their plays? Yeah. I mean that's kind of telling of, offensively. That's well, yeah, but he also I'm shouldn't a have opened player. his mouth. I'm not a football player, but I think that if your defense knows what you're going to do, that's probably not a good thing. Well, I mean, like you said, it's a little predictable there in Baltimore. But at your 12 spot, who's your 12 team? You said Miami, right? I did. I said Miami at number 11. I have the LA Rams, which is two spots. Are you kidding me? What the LA Rams are at 11? They are 11 at me. Uh, They are 11 for me because I have 10 teams that are better than L.A. Uh, I don't see 10 teams better than them. I do. And I'll tell you who they are. But number 11, I have the Rams. Their defense has been great. Offense, pretty darn good as well. But I don't see them in my top 10. They're just cracky. They're essentially this week's Buffalo Bills for me. Which... For you Buffalo fans, you'll be quite happy. I actually have you in the top 10 this time. And that's because you've done consistent. Hey, you know what's funny? Hmm. What did I say a couple weeks ago? What? About the Buffalo Bills. And that you that disagreed Josh Allen on? that you were no. questioning no, no, whether no, no, he was no, going to no, be no. MVP? No, no, no. That's what I'm not talking about. That. I'm talking about the Bills, not Josh Allen. You believe that they weren't the a top 10 team. You're right. At funny. that point. Funny. But now they're in my top 10. They so. are. Mm-hmm. So for my 11, I have Indy. I think they played a great game against Tennessee. I don't think that's going to be a team that we see going forward throughout the season. It's a division game, Tennessee. They're, they're They've been playing terrible football lately. Indy has to play green Bay this week. We'll talk about the matchup, but I don't think Indy's going to be able to perform like they did Thursday night football cracking my top 10, despite maybe some people's disagreements. I have to go with Seattle still. I understand they have not played great football lately, but Russell Wilson is still a top five quarterback right now. The thing is you, you mentioned his four turnovers in the last two games. Guess what? That doesn't happen often. And I don't want to completely check out on Russell Wilson just because he's had a bad couple of games. He just played, I'm not saying you are, I'm saying me. I don't want to check out on him. He just played a Los Angeles Rams defense, which is loaded and they still had an opportunity to win, and I know that we've been seeing that the past couple of weeks for Russell Wilson. I still think that they're a top ten team in the NFL, and I would be scared to play them. I don't care what time of day or where it is, Russell Wilson is dangerous more than anyone. That's why he's called Dangerous for a reason. With the power rankings, we have to remember that there it's a fluid situation from week to week. Yeah, you know, just because I have them at thirteen this week doesn't mean they'd be at thirteen next week. But when you Throw four interceptions in the past two weeks. Your defense is letting everyone in. But we were just talking about our but, last power rankings that they were, what, one or two in the league? That's because they were undefeated at that point. And yes, that but has, I'm saying, you're saying saying telling me in three weeks that they've gone from number three to 13. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, and I, I said before, I started, I said, oh, how the mighty have fallen. But if you're not going to fix that defensive situation, then they're going to be sitting around 13 because when it comes to the playoffs, that puts them at about the seventh seed, which for a wildcard team, that's where they belong at the seventh seed. I think they're 10. Who's your 10? Who's cracking your top 10? I have the Las Vegas Raiders at number 10, which last time around at number nine. I think just because the the teams that are rising to the top, the cream of the crop have just been so good this year. Las Vegas, they are six and three as well. They just had a, a division win against the Broncos, which funny enough about that matchup. I think it's eleven. La- the last eleven games, I believe, it's gone back and forth. Yeah. So the next time the Raiders, <laughs> foreshadowing next time the Raiders and Broncos play, go Spoiler with the Broncos. Alert. Yeah. As we discussed earlier with John Greg Olson, the offensive coordinator, has revitalized Derek Carr's career. In Vegas right now, they have the fifth spot in the playoffs. Their first wild card actually ahead of Baltimore. Just how the I schedules yeah. were, and, I, and they, I, th- that's awesome for the Raiders because the last couple of years, they've always been that team that's the the final knocking on the door, like literally knocking on the door. Either they were that last game or two is going to put them in the playoffs. Now they're at a position they're they're the first wild card spot of three, so they're looking good right now, and I, and I like. Greg Olson, I think he's going to be a head coach soon. What he's done with Derek Carr and John Gruden, obviously will get credit for it too. But Greg Olson's a great offensive coordinator, and I think he's going to have a head coaching job, if not next year, the year following. But the number nine spot, you have Las Vegas at 10. right? Mm -hmm. I have Las Vegas at nine. I love what Las Vegas is doing offensively. Josh Jacobs looks to be healthy again. Derek Carr is playing some mistake-free football, which is helping him out and his confidence. They're cracking my top 10. You know what's funny about the game this past weekend against the Broncos? All their touchdowns were rushing touchdowns. They didn't throw one touchdown. That shows how balanced they are because Mm -hmm. a couple years ago when Derek Carr had a great season when they won 10 games, he was having to do it all now he is there to help facilitate I don't I don't even want to put a game manager tab on him because I don't think he's doing that I think he's playing better than that but they have a balanced offense and they could be a team that makes kind of like what Tennessee did last year in the playoffs where they upset a team or two because of how they are playing right now you know and I first discovered I first discovered they didn't throw any touchdowns because the guy I was playing in fantasy had Derek Carr and he had barely any points. I'm like, how does this team have 37 points? That's because Derek Carr didn't throw any touchdowns. But, yes, that does show how consistent and balanced they are as an organization. And so they rightly deserve to be in the top ten. My number nine is Baltimore. They had a close loss against New England this past weekend. You think Could Baltimore come- is worse than Seattle? Or, sorry. No, better you think Baltimore is better than Seattle? Absolutely. Why? Because they are a much more balanced team than Seattle is. You know that majority of the touchdowns that Seattle has gotten this year is because of Russell Wilson. They have like 37 touchdowns, and he's done 28 of them. So? It's because their offense, which is much better than their defense, but it's mostly passing. They're not how, as balanced as Baltimore is. Do you know how you win games? Yeah, by scoring more points Duh. exactly. Ex- yeah. You don't think that Russell Wilson has the ability? Like, if it was a head-to-head matchup, matchup. I'm not concerned about Russell Wilson. It's the defense that I'm concerned <laughs> no, about, Andrew. I know you, that. But, I, but I'm saying is that you don't think that Russell Wilson has the ability to score more points than if the Ravens did? Like, if they went they had went head-to-head. I think that in that situation, Baltimore's defense versus Seattle's offense would be an even split. So let's push those out of the way. I would much rather put Baltimore's offense against Seattle's defense any day. Yes, I think the Ravens would beat them. So I have the Ravens at number nine. They fall in four spots, so it's not like I'm, you know, kissing and tushes around here. I've got Baltimore at number nine. They have the last playoff spot for the AFC. So... Again, they're not one of the best, but they are within my top 10. Now we'll see what happens this week when they play Tennessee. If they lose to Tennessee this week, let me guess, they're going to fall, fall out of my fall. top 10. And they will be the <laughs> new oh how the mighty have They're shaking in their boots. I have said week in week in and week out that Baltimore is not the same team as they were last year. They're not as good. Teams have finally figured out Lamar Jackson He's even said that because the defense has been calling. But keep in place. mind, people, nobody has figured out Russell Wilson yet. Yeah, because the, the division has because he keeps losing to them. I'm so perplexed by that, but I have to go with team: Los Angeles Rams, six and three. They just beat the Seahawks, which I still think is one of the best, obviously, in the league. I like the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, they can get by. They have a good enough offense to get by and win games. I like him at eight. At my number eight team, I have the Colts. The Colts, prior to them playing Tennessee this past Thursday, the knock against their defense is, oh, they haven't played a top 10 offense yet. Well, they have shown, Now, granted, special teams is what really won them that game. I mean, we'll talk about that when we make our picks later. But Indianapolis, they are in my top 10 just because of the six and three teams, they have shown them some of the most consistent weeks. Phillip rivers. He's an okay quarterback, but I want to see how they play this week against green Bay. That's going to be a big test for them. If Indy's defense can stop Aaron Rodgers, which I don't believe that they will. I think that they can solidify their place in the top 10, but we'll see what happens. But at this moment, I've got them in a break. Number seven, have to go with Buffalo. Now Buffalo just came off a disappointing, heartbreaking loss to Arizona. That's why I have Arizona ahead of them. Thing is, interesting fact about Buffalo. They're three losses against two six and three teams and an eight and one team. That that's Buffalo's losses right now. They're one of the best teams in the NFL. The reason why I don't have them even higher is because I think their games have been too close. They almost beat Arizona. I get that. Now they get a bye this week. Unfortunately, they have to think about that for a whole two weeks. But I think Buffalo is the 7th best team in the NFL. I also have Buffalo at number 7. As we've said, they've gone in an entirely different direction since week 4, their first loss. They narrowly lost in probably one of the best catches in NFL history. But they're also 4-0 in their division. And I think at number 7, I think possibly they could be even a better team than number 7, which is a... Complete opposite direction of what I said two weeks ago. But Buffalo fans, you're welcome, Bills Mafia. I finally have you in the top 10. And at this point, that is well-deserved. Yeah, they're playing some good football. Arizona ahead of them, as I mentioned. They're playing great football, plus 56-point differential. Kyler Murray right now, you mentioned earlier that Russell Wilson is no longer MVP. I agree with that. I think Kyler Murray has replaced him. I, I could see that argument. Kyler Murray right now. And if it was up to me, Dalvin Cook would be MVP. But we all know, everybody listen, we all know it is not a running back award. Yeah. That's simply this just how it's going to be. I think it's going to be Kyler Murray though because of he's having a better year than what Lamar did last year and he's about to I mean, the amount of touchdowns he's gotten on the ground, I think is what number 2 in the NFL. Yeah. Behind Dalvin Cook Kyler Murray's taken them to places, maybe even Cardinal fans, including myself. I'm not a Cardinals fan, but I said in the beginning of the year, I think they were going to be six and ten. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> but I'm okay with being wrong. And I'm okay with the Cardinals winning games because I would love to see Larry Fitzgerald win a Super Bowl. Yeah. One of the best people to ever play on the gridiron. He's a great human being, fantastic football player. My personal rankings. He's a top five wide receiver of all time. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think he's any higher. That's for another day. But Larry Fitzgerald is something special, and I would lo- I would love to see him win a Super Bowl. I have Arizona number six as well. Kyler Murray, he's so elusive. Um, he's like a miniature version of Russell Wilson, who's already a miniature version of another quarterback. Uh, hey, we don't we don't judge off of height differences. Uh, You need to apologize to the short community. (laughs) I would say that they finally have someone to look up to. But But Kyler Murray, you know, props to you. You know, big ups, man, Um, on what you've done in Arizona. I talked about Cliff Kingsbury earlier when we were talking about MVP coaches for half the season. I picked Cliff Kingsbury. I still stick with that. Arizona, good on you, and you deserve the sixth spot. This will be a test this coming week when you play the Seattle Seahawks in a revenge game, so we'll see what happens. And number five, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I do as well. Uh, with Tampa Bay, their offense, <laughs> it's like I, I cracked on them last week with that offense, saying that they've had all these fancy signings, and they actually put it into fruition this past week against the Carolina Panthers. Um, so Ooh. you're welcome, Buccaneer fans, for speaking that into existence. And now kicking. I'm playing somebody in, in fantasy this week. Now, now give their offense a lot of praise, yeah. <laughs> so, because the guy I'm playing has a lot of Bucs players. So, so Tampa Bay, you finally, you know, the fact that you have LaShawn McCoy, uh, Gronkowski, Mike Evans, Rojo, Rojo. <laughs> you have Antonio Brown. You have Tom Brady. I mean, you've practically got everyone. You could possibly ever want on your offense. So this week, I really hope you go get them. Yes, guaranteed win. Let's so, go. so I have Tampa Bay at number five, and that defense—they're playing top two. So you can't, you can't put, you can't not put the Saints ahead of them. Saints are my four team. They've beaten Tampa twice. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't care. They have the Saints have a better record statistically. They're seven and two. I can't put a team that's lost twice to the team ahead of them or behind them. You had Buffalo at seven, Arizona at six, Tampa at five, and New Orleans at four. I think from (laughs) picks one through seven, I think we probably have the same exact picks. At number four, I also have New Orleans. Yes, as you said, they should be ahead of Tampa Bay simply because they've beaten them twice. However, with Jameis Winston possibly going to be in the roster starting quarterback for the next two to three weeks, we'll see what happens at the next time we do a power rankings, uh, but I have New Orleans at number four, number three. I have Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Yeah, uh, offensively, this team is just so fun to watch. And I'm curious what the situation would be if Aaron Jones has been been healthy this entire season, and the the balance that that team would bring offensively. Their defense is middle of the league, uh, but nevertheless, they've have a fantastic head coach of Matt Lafleur. And I have them at number three. Who's your number three? Uh, Green Bay as well. Then I have Pitt at two. Green Bay. Green Bay. The thing is, they barely won against Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. I said that they were elite. I think they still are. I think there was an escape for them to lose against a bad team. What well, with the few teams that you had in the elite, yeah, you still think that they're elite? Yes, after I do. Barely they're seven and two. They're seven and two. Or I roll. That's fine. They're seven and two right now. Pittsburgh at number two. They're 9-0. The thing is, they're not impressing me right now. I still said that they were elite last year. I think they still are. My biggest mistake is not putting Kansas City in the elite. I don't know what I was thinking. I promise I wasn't on anything. You're drunk on your own powers, what it was. Kansas City is an elite team. Even though they did not play this past weekend, Pittsburgh, Green Bay, and New Orleans, all three showed me. They were my only three teams in the elite section. They all showed me that they have a weakness. In Kansas City, they should have been there from the start. They're my number one team in the NFL right now. They have the highest point differential in the NFL. They're playing the most virtually flawless football right now. I apologize, Chiefs Kingdom, but I am redeeming myself with this and that Kansas City is the number one team in the league. So I wrestled with this on who I was going to put at number two and number one. I have Kansas City at number two, and half of it, well, not half, but some of it has to do with who they're playing next week. They have the Las Vegas Raiders to play. And again, that was their first loss of the season, their only loss of the season. I'm curious how they manage that game. If they win, I would put them at number one. Again, Pittsburgh has not been that impressive. They've had some close wins, as we discussed earlier with John, which is telling. But I have them at one simply because they are undefeated. But I would have, if I could pick... Pittsburgh 1A, and then Kansas City at 1B. It really could be flopped either way, and we'll see what happens this weekend in Week 12.
1: Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. That's the great thing about sports. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any wins. You go play to win. When you start telling me it doesn't matter, then
0: retire. Retire. That was the infamous Herm Edwards talking about playing to win the game. We're going to talk about our week 11 matchups. Thank you, NFL, for that sound. Now, the four teams that are on by this week Bills, Bears, Giants, and 49ers. Now, last week, I talked about in the beginning of the podcast, I went 12 and 2 from my week 10 picks. You're welcome to everyone listening. That's the last time you talk about that brag. What do you want? 13 and 3? What, you went 11 and 3? I did. Mm, One I worse. Lo- I lost that. What? One worse than I. Oh. My overall record right now, 95-51, which is a 65.41 percentage. And this was also, I want to be humble. This is the first time this season that I was negative in my predictions of the over and under. Now, I will say there was a push. There were some bad bets this you, weekend. Are you proud of that push? I am. Because it wasn't a loss. There was some bad games this weekend, bad bets. But, hey, for for week 10... For 10 weeks, I'm only negative one time. I'll take it. My record is 39-17 and with a winning percentage of .696, which as a head coach would be fantastic for myself. Tonight, we have a divisional rematch. It's going to be a good game. A great game, especially for Thursday night because usually they're stinkers. But we have the Cardinals in Seattle against a team that is probably looking for some vindication because they lost in overtime. When they played in Arizona, why I didn't take my own advice, I don't understand. I said that Russell Wilson, in the last five losses in regular season, four of them have been against his division. Well, they lost to the Rams last week, and I didn't choose him, And I should have done so, because now he is five of his six last losses have been against his division. So I really wrestled with this one, but I'm still going to choose Seattle. It is going to happen. I'm going to choose Russell Wilson. I have faith in you. After two weeks where you've thrown four interceptions, Russell Wilson is still number one in the league with touchdowns, but they also allow the most touchdowns on their defense. Again, this was tough just because the Cardinals are playing like a number one offense right now. Buffalo had nine penalties against Arizona last week and Arizona was able to capitalize on that. I think that worked to their advantage. I don't see that. Seattle, especially with Pete Carroll, are going to make the same mistakes that Buffalo made last week with nine penalties. With my fingers crossed and butt clenched that Russell Wilson is going to win a divisional game. Uh, okay, I have him winning in Seattle. The fact that it's a short week, Cardinals are coming off a huge win. Seattle's coming off of some sort of bad loss. The over and under is set at 58 and a half. I'm going with the over. Both can't really play defense that well. Again, I like the Cardinals. Philly gets to travel to Cleveland. The Eagles are flat out terrible. I would love for you to give me an area where they're actually not bad in. I don't think you can. Maybe their defense. I like the Browns in this matchup. Over and under is at 48. I'm going to over. I think both are going to be able to score some points. Despite the fact that Browns are coming off just a three-point victory against Houston. I think Houston is a better team than Philly. We talked about it in our rankings. I think for me this week it's an easy matchup just because we have Cleveland's defense against Philly's offense. Philly's offense is absolutely atrocious. Philly allows the most sacks and in interceptions in the league at this point, which bodes well for Miles Garrett, who is number one in the league with nine and a half sacks. I think this will be a great week if you have Cleveland's defense and fantasy. I have Cleveland winning in Cleveland against the visiting Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the Falcons are playing a Drew Brees-less Saints team. Drew Brees has a couple cracked ribs, has a collapsed lung. But that's it. That's all he has got. Yeah, nothing else. I think I'd rather take him than over Jameis Winston as QB. <laughs> uh, I think this is an easy guess, especially how Falcons are playing. They're coming off a bye week as well. Over and under is at 50 and a half. I think this is an easy over. I'm going with the Falcons with an upset because Drew Brees is not playing. And I hope that... I know I spoke highly of the Saints, but I think Drew Brees not being there is going to be detrimental to their team. Yeah. If Drew Brees was playing, which he's be not, different. Yeah. It'd be different. I would have easily chosen New Orleans. But Atlanta, this is an opportunity for them to capitalize on a division rival. Yeah, Matt Ryan is number one with completions and yardage in the league right now. Having a great season. He is. And I think that if this defense was doing better, we'd be talking a lot more about Matt Ryan. The problem is you're not winning games and it's because of your defense. mm -hmm. So I have Atlanta with the upset in new Orleans this week. Next matchup is Cincinnati visiting Washington in the nation's capital. It's hard to win for Cincinnati with two fumbles and four sacks this past weekend. Washington was facing a tough NFC loss against the Detroit lions. It came down to the last minute of play. They really need a QB. And I think because these teams are muddling toward the, bottom half of the conference and respectively, I have Washington winning because Alex Smith is coming off a fantastic game. And that defense I think will be able to put a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow and that offensive line. So I have Washington winning in DC. Yeah, Alex Smith looked really good against Detroit. Cincinnati's coming off a bad loss. Washington, however, is coming off a crushing loss. It looked like they were trending to win that game. Over and under is at 46 and a half. I think this is an easy over. I'm actually going with Washington as well. Washington's defense has been playing somewhat better. Now, funny enough, Chase Young plays defense, obviously, for Washington. I think ended up costing them the ability to win that game. A stupid personal foul on Matthew Stafford that gave the Lions pretty much a guaranteed win. Mm -hmm. Next matchup, speaking of Detroit, they're going to head to Carolina CMC looks like he's going to miss another game. I know that Daniel spoke about it. I think he's not going to play. I think the fact that Teddy is hurt too, is Matt Rule really going to say, hey, let's go ahead and play CMC, Christian McCaffrey, even though Teddy's not going to be there. I think, to be smart about it, I think that they should not play Christian McCaffrey until he's fully healthy, rather than trying to jeopardize, possibly missing even longer. Because of the injuries, it's difficult to talk about this matchup because at the other uh, at the other flip of the coin, Matthew Stafford is hurt as well. He has a hurt thumb on his throwing hand, injured wide receivers. But because I'm 0-2 when picking them, the Carolina Panthers, I'm going with the Lions. Now the over and under is not set yet, so I don't have it. I would probably go with the under anyways just because of the injuries. I don't think both teams are going to score a lot of points. So I went back and forth, and the person – I have losing this game. I originally had winning Detroit. You guys know my feelings on them, but I want to talk about Carolina for just a moment because this past weekend, I actually got an answer from Mick Mixon who I talked about is the voice of the Carolina Panthers. And my question was, why is Teddy Bridgewater not a great game manager? I've talked about how they continue to waste timeouts well before they even get within four minutes of the last bit of half before halftime or toward the end of the game. And he said that was a good question a good observation. And it's because the offense for Carolina is consistently changing plays. He said, very rarely will you ever see them with the same personnel back to back on plays. And because there's so much shuffling between plays, Teddy Bridgewater isn't able to keep up. I think if your if your quarterback isn't able to keep up, some changes need to be made. Carolina's special teams is fantastic. Their punter with two punts within the five yard line. One of them was wasted by having that 98 yard touchdown by what, Romo? <laughs> Rojo. Rojo. Uh, but Joey Sly, he leads the league in field goals and points. So and c- bench presses. And bench presses. he's Kudos to Carolina's special teams. But I have Detroit winning this game. Again, I originally had Carolina winning. But I scribbled it out and I chose Detroit. Yeah, Teddy, Teddy, but, and Christian McCaffrey both being out, I can't, I can't do it. I can't pick Carolina. If you've got PJ Walker as your starting quarterback, I don't see them beating Detroit, dude. He is the XFL stud, man. They could, uh, he could come in and take Teddy's job away. So I have Detroit winning here and Carolina. You're inching closer and closer to that top five draft pick. Pittsburgh traveling to Jacksonville. Is this a trap game? That's a good question. I was hoping you were going to say no. I don't think it's a trap game. <laughs> this is going to be Doug Marone's last game, in my opinion. Over and under is at 47.5. I'm going with the over, Steelers as well. This is not going to be a close game. Well, you know, I said last week that Jacksonville was going to keep that game close against Green Bay, and they almost came away with the upset. But I think Pittsburgh's too much. Jacksonville had a great punt return touchdown last week. They're only one of two teams who have a punt return touchdown in addition to Miami but Pittsburgh is number one in the league with sacks with 36 and also in turnovers. I think that this will be an easy win for Pittsburgh and Doug Marone It looks like you're probably out the door. Tennessee traveling to Baltimore. Baltimore is not going to have any fans. Both teams are coming off somewhat embarrassing losses. Titans started out five and zero, and they're one and three since then Baltimore lost Nick Boyle for the season. Most likely, which is he's a great blocking tight end. Him and Mark Andrews together are dynamic. I'm going with the over. Titans are going to win this game, get some redemption, get back to being on track. Mike Vrabel is really good coming off more than 10 days of rest as a head coach. Yeah, so I originally had Baltimore winning this game uh, when I was initially thinking about it. But when Andrew shared that stat, in addition to the stat I had about uh, Mike Vrabel being 5-0 and after a primetime game or off a bye week, I think that Tennessee is going to bounce back. You know, Derrick Henry hasn't had a touchdown in the past two games, you know, and Tennessee's Ooh, not even woe is me. I feel so sorry for the fantasy owners. You know what? Kick rocks. <laughs> I mean, from a, from a like, you know, game talking- standpoint, I understand that, but I know, I know like there's some fantasy owners out there. Like, yes, I know he hasn't had one. He hasn't helped my fantasy. Well, guess what? He had over 200 yards a couple weeks ago. You can get over it. So again, Derrick Henry, I think I triggered Andrew. He hasn't had touch on the past two games. Tennessee at this moment isn't even in a playoff spot. They're not even the first outside. It's Cleveland's ahead of them. But Baltimore has allowed the least amount of points in the league, and they're nearly last in the league when it comes to passing. So I'm not sure what to think about this Baltimore team. You have a great defense, but your offense relies so much on the run game. Tennessee has gotten better defensively when it comes to stopping the run. This was a tough one for me, but because of Mike Ravel and his consistency in coming off days of rest or bye weeks or primetime games, I think that's going to work in their favor. I have Tennessee, but I hope I don't regret it. New England going to Houston, passer on a hot streak. Cam is settling into the offense. Cam Newton settling in. We're in week 11, and he's a veteran quarterback. How long does it take you to settle in? It doesn't matter. He still has an opportunity to make playoffs. I'm I'm glad he's nice and cozy. Um, I have New England winning this game. Bill Belichick has shown time and again that he has a fantastic record against his protégés. That game last week with Houston and Cleveland, my gosh, that was awful to watch. The stats didn't reflect the score. They actually had good rushing and passing, and they didn't have a lot of game-altering mistakes. Again, the score didn't reflect it, but I have New England winning simply because Bill Belichick is a head coach. Next matchup is Miami visiting the Mile High City. I was curious how this was going to go with Tua as quarterback. You know, visiting the Mile High is difficult for rookies just because of the air pressure and constantly having to adjust to that. Miami right now is on the heels of Buffalo with taking the division. Tua, as we've addressed earlier, is 3-0 as a starter. But Denver is just not a good team. Their quarterback situation is a big question mark. I'm going to take Tua and Miami in Denver. With Drew Lock being injured and having some soreness with his ribs, it made it easier to pick Miami. Defense is clicking. Tua's playing mistake-free football. Miami's not used to that. The over and under set at 45 and a half. I'm going with the under because both teams can play some defense going with the dolphins as well. The New York jets are traveling all the way across country against the LA chargers. You know that I'm not a fan of teams traveling across country. Cause I think it's tough. Jets are by far the worst team in football. They're not even, not even a bye week can save them over and under is at 47. I'm going with the over and the chargers as well. I'm not going to go deep into this game. I think that the chargers will win. However, If any game has the potential to be an upset, this would be the matchup that I would choose. I wouldn't be shocked if the Jets win, but I still think it's the Chargers to lose. Now, week 11, we have a a lot of really good matchups. Green Bay and the Colts being one of them. Packers are coming off a near whiff of this season. Jags almost embarrassed them. I believe that the Packers almost losing and the Colts coming off a big win against Tennessee is going to get to Indy's head. I think the Packers are going to win this game. They're going to score the over at 51 and a half. I really like Packers winning this game. Indianapolis's defense right now is number one in the league, at least when it comes to points allowed. They also allowed the least amount of sacks on the offensive side. Green Bay, however, was on the verge of a, an upset against Jacksonville. I think that overall that offense is so much better than Indianapolis's. I have Green Bay winning in Indianapolis this week in Aaron Rodgers. Dallas traveling to Minnesota. Dalvin Cook is back and healthy. He's the best player in the league. Cowboys, unfortunately, are not clicking whatsoever. The game against Pitt might have got them going, but I can't see them doing well defensively against Cook. Vikings are going to win. I'm going with the under. It's set at 47 and a half. I don't think both teams are going to score a lot of points. Vikings, though. So... Dalvin Cook right now is number 1 in the league when it comes to yards and touchdowns. He's got 12 touchdowns at this point. Cousins, Kirk Cousins finally won against the Let's Chicago go, Bears. baby. Not only did he win against the Chicago Bears, he finally won on Monday night. His record is now 1 and 9 on Monday <laughs> night football games. So you go Kirk. Uh Dallas offensively is just not working. Someone tried to trade me Ezekiel Elliott in fantasy and I said no, thank you. So I have Minnesota winning In the land of 10,000 lakes, so I've got Minnesota. Kansas City and Las Vegas, Sunday night football. This is a spicy matchup. Caliente. Chiefs are better than their first loss against the Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas is better since their win against Kansas City. Both teams are better. It's a battle who I think is going to break first, though. Can Las Vegas upset them again? I don't think so. I think both teams are going to score, though. 57 is at the over and under, going with the over. I think the Chiefs are going to find redemption, and they're going to beat the Raiders. Look, I said earlier this year, I didn't think Kansas City was going to lose a game, and they've lost one against the Raiders. I definitely do not believe that they're going to lose two, especially against the same team. Kansas City, what? <laughs> Kansas City's special teams is number one in the league right now. Kansas City and Las Vegas are one and two in interceptions given. So that was an interesting stat. I have Kansas City simply because they are the better team in their division, and I do not see Patty Mahomes losing to Las Vegas twice. So I've got Kansas City. Monday Night Football is another great matchup. Now I'm sick and tired (laughs) of another primetime game for Brady and company. Every week we talk about this. The Rams are traveling to Tampa Bay. Los Angeles losing Andrew Whitworth to a possible season-ending injury is a massive blow to them. Yeah, Rams defense against the Seattle Seahawks was masterful. I think Hawks offense is better than uh, Tampa Bay though. I believe over and unders at 47 and a half. I'm going with the under. I think this is going to be a boring defensive matchup. I don't think there's gonna be a lot of points scored at all. I'm going with the Rams though. The Rams beating Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay. I nearly broke my neck looking at you. Skirt. I did not think you'd say that. Tampa Bay, right now, but you also didn't think that the Patriots are going to beat the Ravens. Yeah, but yeah, but all right, let's go Rams. Let's go. Tampa Bay right now has scored the most points in the league. The defense is also number one in turnover differential. No, excuse me. Tampa Bay is also number one in defense when it comes to turnovers, tied with Pittsburgh. They also are number one in interceptions. Losing Andrew Whitworth possibly to a season-ending injury for. The Rams it would be massive. He's the number one tackle in the league right now. And think about how and many left tackles we've lost for three. Just thinking about Ronnie Stanley, Ravens, Taylor Wan, Titans, and A.J. Whitworth now with the with the Rams. Yeah, and I, and I, th- those are some of the three best in the league. league. Exactly. And I just don't think that the Rams will be able to hold back the Tampa's defense, especially since they're top five in the league right now. I have Tom Brady and the Buccaneers winning in Jameis Ray Stadium. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you again, Jonathan, for joining us earlier on the podcast. You guys already know if you want to be on it, message us on Twitter, Instagram, at PodcastPigSkin. Tonight, we got a juicy matchup. Cardinals at Seahawks. See you next Thursday. Much love. Thanks for listening this week on the Pigskin Podcast. Subscribe to the pod on iTunes and Spotify so you'll never miss a show. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at PodcastPigSkin. If you want to stay engaged throughout the week, give us a follow. We want to hear from our listeners. Give us a breakdown. Signing off.